What's up, you guys? It's your host, Michael Swoboda, and this is the Average Alaskan Podcast, the show where we cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of Alaskan outdoors and life in Alaska. It's week 25. We've made it. Quarter way to 100. We're doing things. We're making things happen. I'm joined today, like always, the one, the only, Mr. Sean Love, best co-host in the game. What's up, guys? And today we're joined by longtime friend, first time interviewee, Mr. Jack Heimbold. How's it going, everybody? Oh, they're doing just fine, Jackie. They're doing amazing. They're listening to our beautiful voices today, so that's all we can ask for. (laughs) (laughs) Some good serenading. No. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in for another week of the show. Like I said, it's episode 25. We're chugging along. Every week, Thursday, 6 a.m. Come listen to us. You know what it's about. Uh, Like always, please give us a like, subscribe, all the fun things. This show is brought to you by none other than yourself, me, Sean, and the rest of our amazing Average Alaskan family. So we don't bug your eardrums with no pesky ads or nothing like that yet, yet, yet. Keep liking and subscribing. If you don't, if you quit, if you stagnate. We'll start running uh, Manscaped ads and you know, tell you how to trim your balls. So. <laughs> no. But uh, thank you guys for all the support. Like always, you know, got to pay some respects to you guys. But go give us a follow on all the fun social media stuff over on Instagram, average underscore Alaskan underscore podcast, Michael underscore Swoboda, and Sean underscore Louvre. Follow us there. But other than that, that's just fucking the way we roll. Putting out episodes once a week. You would be? Maybe twice, if you're lucky. If you're real lucky. Exactly. If we do something cool. It's been it's been dry. <laughs> it's been a grind, man. Alaska summer. Yeah, there's a lot of fun that happens. And there's a lot of stuff going on. But a lot of stuff equals a lot of time. A lot of time equals a lot of money. <laughs> Gives you less money and time to do fun things you want to do. So it, it's part of summer. It's part of being Alaska during the summer. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. It's a dirty cycle. But we got a fun episode. We got a cool interview coming up. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, informational, a little bit of jibber jabbering, I'm sure, because uh, Jackie's a longtime friend of both of ours, and it's going to be a good one. So uh, listen all the way through, and I don't know, do something if you do. Send me a message. Be like, I listened to two hours of worthless audio. Please, thank you. Give me something. <laughs> <laughs> At least let us know. <laughs> right. Alrighty, as you can tell, I'm in a mood. I'm a little, I don't want to say down in the dumps, but uh, pessimistic? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> don't be so sad. You sad boy hours, no. <laughs> but we're going to jump into this. Uh, we're going to give you a little background of Jackie Poo over here to our right, and then roll into what I think is going to be a really entertaining conversation for you guys about starting your backcountry journey from ground zero. Uh, Jack's a lifetime Alaskan, but he's just now dipping his toes into the shitty and expensive deep end of backcountry hunting and backpacking. And we're going to have a pretty kick-ass conversation about that journey and what he expects out of it and try and give him any bit of information, tips, tidbits that we have. So we're going we're gonna to hop right into that. But beforehand... Uh, this is Mr. Jack Heimbold. He is a longtime commercial fisherman, hardworking dude, spends his life up here in Alaska just kicking ass, and just got back from a stint over in Hawaii, living some beach life, got the sun, sun blonde 
locks, luscious locks rocking here in the podcast studio. How's it going, Jack? Tell the people who you are and what you're about. Well, you know, I like, uh, my name is Jack Heimwood, of course. You all heard that. I'm um, glad I got that right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, like like Michael said, I grew up here. I uh, My parents moved up here a long time ago. Uh, my dad was a commercial fisherman and my mom she used to work in bars and stuff as bartender and they met up here and they kind of created the homesteader life for themselves up here and we lived in a dry cabin 20 miles out uh out near uh, knob hill um which is way out at anchor point uh <clears throat> but it was a lot of fun growing up there we didn't have electricity or water or running water i should say but um it honestly made life kind of simpler and more fun to be honest, it just, I don't know, it just made you appreciate the good things about life. Absolutely. Simple life is a good life, that's for sure. Yeah, okay. less things, less problems. Yep. Yeah. No. But, uh, but um, sorry to interrupt, but it oh, was, no, you're uh, good. after after we kind of <clears throat> were in our cabin out there, it kind of, it. Uh, I think it was around seven years old when it, it burned down, unfortunately, and so then we moved into Anchor Point. Um, we, we picked up a good spot out there, uh, but, uh, but since then, I've just been... Living the Alaskan life, and I have no complaints. I love it up here. It's so, it's a lot of fun. I gotta say, <laughs> no, that that's for <laughs> sure. And what was, I don't know. I'm sure it's hard to kind of differentiate because growing up, you were kind of in that in that lifestyle and everything. But what was the biggest thing you took away from kind of growing up in? what a lot of people would consider a kind of rudimentary way of living, just the, you know, no electricity, no running water, kind of like you you mentioned, the homesteader, the dry cabin lifestyle. Like, what was the biggest positive... Go ahead and... What was the biggest positive takeaway? And then if there was something that you... Something that you feel that held you back in any way, what were the two biggest positives and negatives you took out of that? Well, I would say the positive thing was... Um, like I said before, it kind of made me look and appreciate life in a different way. I would think if I grew up in a big city or something like that, you know, it kind of made me have more gratitude for what I have and what my parents have and what they've done for me and my brother too. We were both living out there and, um, they just, they did an amazing job and I have no complaints and I had, I just, I had a lot of fun out there, but the, I guess the bad thing about it was we were just so far out of town. It took us basically an hour to get to Homer. It took, yeah, basically an hour to Homer every day. Yeah, because so. if you're a good 20, 20 minutes outside of Anchor Point, and then Anchor Point's another 20 minutes, 25 minutes out of Homer. And, yep. You know, but we weren't that bad out east, but, you know, very similar where it's like going to town's a ordeal. It's not <laughs> like, a, oh, I forgot, you know, the crackers at the store. It's like, well, if I could go buy some more tomorrow because <laughs> yeah. oh, we ain't going again tonight. We're so next grocery week. shopping <laughs> for the next three weeks. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, that that's interesting. Um, love that. But what's your been, what's been your, like, main... As an adult here in Alaska, what's been how how have you made a living? You know, you've done some commercial fishing, you've worked for Homer Home Services as well. What's <laughs> what's kind of been your professional uh, lifestyle here in Alaska as of recent? Well, actually, my like you said, my first job was a commercial fishing job. I I, uh, I started out in Cook Inlet, just gill netting um, on a couple of my dad's friends or one of my dad's friends' boats, and uh, I did that for two years, and I realized that it. 
it sucked and it didn't make any money. <laughs> so I changed the tune a little bit. I went to Bristol Bay for three summers during my high school from, uh, I guess it'd be sophomore to senior year. Every year. Every year. Yeah. And then uh, and then I kind of got out of that. I was like, you know what? I want to hang out in Homer for a little bit. So I decided to, I got a job at the field dock. And that was, I mean, I was working on the, technically the water. But <laughs> right. I saw the boats water every day. Adjacent. Yeah, water adjacent. Yeah, water adjacent. It was in the vicinity. So yeah. it was uh, it was cool. And, and I just got to see everybody. I got to work outside every day. And that was a plus for me. And then, like you said, I worked for... Homer Home Homer Home Homer Home Run Services and it was uh, it was a lot of fun that summer and you know I <laughs> I got no complaints about that summer I was just <laughs> driving a truck around I see you guys basically every day and uh, you know just getting all sorts of shit and it was mowing lawns you know it wasn't too hard no. just pretty simple and then we <laughs> exactly. got to learn some good construction skills on the side too and uh, you know I just the le- the lessons I learned in life, you know, I try to bring them along with me. Even though I don't stick r- around f- for a long time, it just I always I'll never forget it. Okay. And Sorry about that, guys. Uh, I'm Bluetooth to our uh, record here, so that's my ye old uh, ringtone. Uh, employee trying to get a hold of me, uh, and uh, that is a later problem. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> right. So I hope you guys enjoyed that nice little uh, interruption. Serenade to the ear bones. <laughs> right. I was like, what is? Huh. But uh, I, this last, I guess this be almost two winters now. Um, I went crab fishing uh, for the first time, and that was a lot of fun. It was an adventure for sure. We went out on <clears throat> the fishing vessel Custitan, and we were out there for three and a half months for Opelio season and bear die too. Uh, but uh, it kind of sucked. It was cold, but I learned a lot about myself, and I just had a great time. And I made some money too, so I got no complaints about it. And then uh, the same guys, they offered me a job going long lining with them for just a short little three-week session. And I made some money there, too. And then, you know, with all that money I made, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take me and my girlfriend to Hawaii. <laughs> and yeah. so it stayed for a while, didn't you? Yep. Yeah, we were there for six months. And, yeah. you know, it's not uh, – it's it's paradise over there, but it's it's like everywhere else. It's got its ups and downs. And, and now we're back, though, and I'm just ready to live it up this summer. It's uh, it's already it's already rolling like Sean was saying, and you know it's. I'm just I'm ready for it. It doesn't <laughs> slow down. No, it doesn't. No, <laughs> no for nobody. Yeah. Ooh, well, before we move on, I want to dig into the, kind of your commercial crab fishing a little bit. Um, so for the people listening, it's you know your commercial pot crab fishing, which for anybody who doesn't know, the closest equivalent is go watch Discovery's Deadliest Catch. And that's, I mean, that's exactly, exactly. (laughs) that's, that's how they do it. That's how it rolls. You know, there's always going to be a little added drama in any television show, but for the most part, (laughs) it's cut and dry how, how it is. So, uh, give us a little insider in look of how that was, what we're like, I don't know, pick apart what was like the neatest parts, the shittiest parts, the, you know, something that you, I don't know, miss or look forward to like. Just, I don't know, dive into that and just kind of pick it apart a little bit for us. All right. Well, I think the, uh, honestly, it was leading up to it. It was a lot of excitement. I knew that my my dad <clears throat> did a long, 
I think for about 10, 10 years before me, um, and he was telling me, I basically grew up listening to all his stories, and, you know, that kind of motivated me to at least do it one time before, you know, I get old and can't do it anymore. <laughs> so I uh, realized that I needed to take advantage of what I could, and and uh, while we went out there, um, I think the one of the most interesting things that happened when we went out there, the first night we got into uh, Dutch, we were tying up to the field dock, and it was blowing 100 miles <laughs> An hour, which I mean, it was basically nine, like ninety knots, but it was yeah, it was pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So for anyone listening, where is Dutch? Where it's is Dutch uh, right? it's on the middle island, of fucking a, nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, though, it's it's isolated. Uh, it's on Unalaska. Yep. Um, it's on the opposite side, though. Oh, there's it's Unalaska is a pretty big, pretty big island, or. And it's, it's on the chain, and it is like yeah. It's like the first main island of like where the chain actually becomes islands, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And actually, Dutch Harbor is one of the biggest ports in the world. Like yeah. they bring in the most fish numbers fish. wise. I believe it's like it's for sure top five in think, the world. I think, I think it's, it's number one in the United States, definitely. Yeah. And it's not a big place. Like I've no. never been out there. I've only you know. We know a thousand people in our life that, you know, commercial fish, <laughs> we're freaking, uh, we're the fanciest class of white trash up here. Um, but <laughs> no, it's not a big place. And there's a lot of money that flows through that town. There's a lot of seafood that flows through that town. Seriously. And, but there's not a lot of nothing else that flows through that town. Nope, there is. Uh, it's a very small knit community. And honestly, there's two communities. One of them is. The one side with the, the you were saying that the port where everybody comes in, <laughs> yeah. and the other side is where everybody lives, <laughs> and it is a lot smaller on the, the, the living end. side. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. And so the the huge boats come in, and honestly, the biggest draw for them is the uh, the trawlers. Like that's the biggest. I think the biggest draw for any of the fishing out there. I bet that's kind of taken over the state in general. Like if you like money, wise, like financially and just like pure numbers wise, like the trawling community, the draggers, that's where everything's at nowadays. Like every, they're just, you know, scraping the bottom, sending that shit straight over to China and that's where your shirimi. Is that how you say it? The fake crab? Shishimi? No, the the like oh, artificial sh- crab, oh, yeah. shirumi, I think it. Yep. However, it's, the whitest pronunciation of a Japanese word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so compressed stupid. pollock into crab legs. Yeah, they would. Uh, we, when I first got out there, I was kind of blown. I was honestly expecting a little bit smaller than what I was looking at, but um, it was still. It kind of blew me away. These boats that were coming in, there'd be three hundred foot boats, four hundred foot boats, and I saw a. Uh, a boat that was like 800 feet out there. It was a shipping container, basically. Yeah. But um, the crazy thing was... Was it a the, the, fishing... Uh, uh, whatchamacallit? Fishing catcher processor? Yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. The Not the 800-foot one, but the, uh, the little ones, they were they just went out All there for months. Processors, yep. yep. But the crazy thing was, was the crabbers were the, like the small boats. Like, we were... <laughs> We were called, nicknamed the Mosquito Fleet out of Homer. Like, that's an old nickname. Like, before even my, like, my dad's time. Like, the, yep. the Custitan, the Sister Boat, the Frar Sea, and the, the Time Bandit, which a lot of people know about. Mm. And then there's, like, the Tempo Sea, and there's uh, there's a couple other ones like that. But 
You know, they're just little. They're, I mean, they're like a yeah. hundred foot boats, which is a yeah. big boat. The one hundred to one hundred fifty foot range. That's what people yeah. don't realize. They watch that show, and that's their only exposure to it. And oh my god, I'm like, yeah, but they're rit- like they're big boats, but they're not like big, big. Yeah, like they're, they're small fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why they cost them. Steam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or not me, but those guys. <laughs> They've been doing it forever. I just kind of hopped on the the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got somebody's got to exactly. Yeah, they were actually, they were really happy to see some young blood, and uh, they, you know, they treated me like I was uh, one of their own. I never had any problems on that boat, and it was it was amazing, you know? And that's one of the things I wanted to touch on is those guys really kind of made that trip, too, yeah. the guys I was working with. Because, you know, if you're stuck on a boat with guys for three, I was out there for three and a half months, and if I didn't like one of those guys out there, I would... I mean, I'd see that guy every day. Yeah, every that day. That shit gets old. And it's not like, it's one thing, it's it's one thing to have a shitty roommate. It's another thing to have a shitty roommate that's also your coworker and also you have to trust with your life. Like, you know trust, what I mean? Yeah. Like, yep. you, you, the whole boat trusts with your life because I mean, we're doing two hour we watches every night, or an hour we watch every night. It just depends. And, yeah. You know, if you're not paying attention or you fall asleep, then, I mean, there's five other, six other people on board. That's wow. your responsibility. Nope. There's a reason we have a seafarers memorial. Exactly. You know, it's like, yep. you know, anytime you leave port, you're never guaranteed a freaking safe entry back, unfortunately. But yeah, that, uh, that actually happened when I was out there. One of the, <clears throat> one of my friends, uh, you guys might know Casey McKinnon. Uh, he, mm-hmm. uh, he had a friend, unfortunately pass away on one of the boats. Mm. He got just bad accident and he, it was crazy. Cause he was just like, yeah, I knew the guy and, we just heard about it while we were in Dutch, and it was just, it was kind of sad, but, you know, it's just accidents happen, and, oh, yeah. I mean, it's dangerous. I mean. It's, yeah, they, you know, they, most dangerous profession in the United States, they say, and I don't, I don't doubt def- it. Definitely, like, one of them. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, top five at least. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, that's like, my uncle always tells a story, and he, it was on his first commercial crabbing uh, <laughs> run way back, back in the derby days, back in the, what would have been the late, late 80s early 90s i think it was but one of their deck uh deck members had a heart attack heading out they oh, they've been out like a day and a half already they're you know just got to the grounds or so had a heart attack they called coast guard he passed away before coast guard got there and coast guard for those of you who don't know like they won't haul dead body like they don't take dead bodies yeah you're you're dead you don't matter because all that does is you know cause issues for the crew and endanger the flight all that type of stuff and so they just had to stick the dead body in the bait freezer because because now the commercial fishing fleet is on what is called ifqs which is individual fish quotas which basically means say your boat you're allotted a hundred thousand pounds of you know, bear die to catch. It's like, all right, you've got three months to go or, you know, realistically, I, I believe it's like nine months to go catch your quota. You got time to do it. Back in the Derby days, they'd open the season for a week and you had a week to catch however much crab you wanted, like, and you'd get paid for it, which was a lot more dangerous, but it made it open to anybody and everybody. And you could be a complete nobody who just bought a boat and go make, you know, a million dollars in a week. But now it's, you know, a little more regulated and whatnot. But back in the Derby days, you know, the gentleman passed away. The Coast Guard couldn't pick him up. They had to leave. And they only have five days left to fish. And it's a day and a half back to port. It's basically... 
their options are to stay on the grounds and just keep their friend and former deckhand in the freezer or go back into town and waste the whole season, basically. And so they stuffed him in the freezer, and every time they had to go get bait or food or anything, they had to go look at Steve or, you know, whatever his name, God rest his soul. But uh, And that's just kind of how that profession, even – Nowadays, it's not a it's not a clean suit and tie job no. by any means. Like you gotta, have, a, you gotta be a little tough to do. All <laughs> you gotta have another. You gotta have some thick skin. Let's just say that. Yeah, because it's one thing. <laughs> it's one thing to be on the water. Like I, I spend a ton of like our deer season. We run ten weeks. I'm on the water for you know all ten weeks of that. We get a day and a quarter in town in between trips. So I'll have ten days on land in between you know 10 weeks of at sea that's one thing but to be constantly running gear day up or you know sun up sundown just like constantly rolling through stuff and you know you're rolling with what's a six by six pot run like 800 pounds like they're not light oh it was we were running eight uh, eight eight by eight eight by eights yeah yeah and they were 800 900 pounds. Well, the bit, the full ones would be even more than yeah, that. Probably like 1,200 pounds. Yeah. You catch your arm between something like that. Like oh, you're running on 36. You've been running 36 hours straight, like whatever, <laughs> no sleep. And you just happen to have your finger in the wrong spot. It's like, guess what? You don't have a finger anymore. Or it's God forbid gone. you get your arm stuck somewhere or you get your foot caught in a coil and <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Like. Yeah, you go for dip. And that was one of the biggest things was when we were throwing pots back over, we were we were told – specifically just to watch our feet because yeah. you know just one little just one mistake just one little coil that doesn't fit right on the top of the stack or something like that and just it yeah. just, it just grabs you like it wants to pull you over no that was one of the things i didn't understand growing up my mom had this weird thing where she always shuffled her feet everywhere she went like if she was like she just like slid her feet around and uh, she'd always make fishing jokes and stuff, but you know, I was like seven, eight at the time, never understood it. And then later in life, she, you know, I asked her about it and she explained it to me. It was because working on crab boats, because you, when you're on deck, you shuffle your feet because you can't step in a coil if you shuffle your feet. You know, you feel what you touch. If you're just, you know, high stepping around deck, all it takes is one, one wrong step and you're all twisted up in the freaking, you know, shot a line that's going overboard connected to a 1200 pound anchor. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going down with it. And there's no, there's no recovering from that. Like, <laughs> you, uh, that's one of the first rules they told me was you, you shuffle step everywhere you go or yeah. short little choppy steps. You don't take giant steps because that's just, you put your feet in the wrong place and, and especially when the boat's moving and grooving. Oh, yeah. And if you're in 20-foot yeah. sh- groundswell or something, like, yeah. shit goes out the wind real quick. <laughs> oh, dude, it's it's hard. <laughs> yeah. it's what hard was some of the do. nastiest weather y'all got? I mean, obviously, you said when you, y'all first rolled up to Dutch, it was blowing, you know, ungodly. And for, you know, people who don't under understand that, you know, 90-knot term, it's, it's like being caught in a hurricane, but that's just a Wednesday. Like, that's just... Seriously, <laughs> though, it was... When we were in Dutch, uh, we, so I said we were out there for three and a half months. Basically, that half a month we were just hanging out in Dutch because of we were just getting blown out. Yeah. Uh, we're not a big boat, so we couldn't hold out in the 
In the bearing seat. In the bullshit. Yeah, in the <laughs> bullshit. And honestly, we didn't even want to. Like, we didn't want to get our asses kicked out there. It's hard to fish in that. Like, it is. It's, just, it's hard to survive. Sleep. Yeah, you're getting thrown around. Like, and it physically beats you. Yeah, it does. It. it, it Have you oh ever had God. your bed punch you in the face? Well, uh, go sleep on a fishing boat in 30-foot seas. <laughs> <laughs> For eight hours, just oh. constantly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's the funny thing out there. You know, it's like... One day, you know, it'll be really nice and with crabbing will be really good and we'll go back in for delivery and then, you know, we'll be in in, in uh, Dutch Harbor and we'll be like, all right, you know, we're getting a lay of the land or well, the sea actually, um, yeah. <laughs> but the weather, you know what I'm saying? So we're checking out the weather and the weather forecast is the next week we can't go out. We're just yeah. hanging out and then, uh, and then all of a sudden there's a break and we got to go. We got to get out there. And yep. then, uh, and then if it's too rough, there was only like one or two days when we were actually out there that we didn't we didn't fish, and it was blown. It was, it was just you can tell, you know. Our skipper was really safe too. Some guys, you know, some skippers they'll just they'll push t- yeah they'll push you. They'll be like get the get the fuck out there. And that's not the boat you want to be. No, that's not. <laughs> like it's just it's, like <laughs> I were I was very fortunate to get on a boat with a skipper who knew what he was doing and didn't fuck around and. We caught our crab and we got out of there safe and sound. And I'm just, I was really happy about that. <laughs> no, that's good. Cause ah, man, even just the stuff we get caught in in Kodiak occasionally there in the Shellacoff Strait and stuff, like it's nasty. Like, and I, once again, compared to the boat you were on, cause what's the custom 10? Like 78 foot, 82? It's a, it's like 101. Oh, shoot. It's way bigger. Or 100. Oh, I'm thinking of, sorry, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of a different boat. Never mind. But yeah, so y'all are, you know, 101 foot. We're we're only 48, so we're half your size, which is still for a recreational boat, that's a big, big ass boat. That's a big boat. But yeah. it's a freaking drop in the bucket compared to some. And you get caught in big 60, 70 knot blows, and you're getting 40, <laughs> 40 foot waves. I saw one 40 foot wave while I was out there. Yeah, and it. It, I just was Pucker we're, 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 yeah, we're, <laughs> just going into it. And, you know, the Custan is the, definitely one of the most seaworthy boats I've ever been on, or I've ever even seen. Like, we, mm. there's only a couple times where our skipper, he'd be over the intercom and he'd be like, oh shit, guys, hold on. And then he'd uh, dial back on the throttle and it would just go quiet all of a sudden, basically. And then we'd just be in the air, just floating off the top of this wave and then go. <laughs> Boom! Just crash down, um, and that only happened a couple times. But when you're in the, air, you're literally floating. Like I jumped in the air, and I, flo- I, I was sitting down. And we were waiting for our string, and I just, I was s- sitting on my ass, and I literally floated in the air, and then we came fucking <laughs> crashing down. <laughs> that is just an unnerving feeling. Yeah, and I was just like, all right, we're we're in it. We're in it. Not only is that <laughs> sketchy, but your nearest help is literally like an hour and a half helicopter ride away. Yeah, like, helicopter <laughs> ride. Yep. If they could get to you, yeah. Like, that's a that's a Comstack Kodiak, Comstack Kodiak, uh, fishing custom, uh, fishing vessel custom can. Uh, mayday, mayday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously. There's a. We were fortunate enough not to hear a mayday call out there, thankfully. But you know, it happens. It, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It happened a year before I even went out with the Stella Rose. I don't know if you guys heard about or, that. Uh, not the Stella Rose. The, that's a that's a wine. Oh, not um, the but excuse me. Ah, oh, fuck. Bless their hearts. Uh, tons of Homer families were impacted by that. Oh, fuck. I yeah. I I, thought it was, it. I knew it was the Rose. I, oh goodness. I'm uh, coming on my brain fart, but 
Yeah. You know, when I heard about that, uh, our skipper Google it real he, quick. Keep he going. sat us down and was like, "We need to go over exactly what they did." So, because he had friends on that boat too, um, they they went over the Coast Guard Coast Guard testimony, and uh, we went through everything they did, and you know, it was just it was Scandies. <clears throat> Scandies. That's yeah. what it is. The Scandies um, rose for anybody listening. Not the Super tragic. <laughs> went down, I believe. Everybody but two made it off. Nope. I think two made it made it out alive, but it was yep. either four or six perished in it. Yep. Yeah, it was really sad and iced I, up. Yeah, it was the ice that my skipper was telling me. He was he said that it was the ice that and the wind, the position, just every, the, the the circumstances didn't add up for them. And you know, I just I've we we said some uh, words of prayer to to them and their families, and you know, we just. That's all you can do at that point, and yeah. that's why you said the Seafarers Memorials out there. It's it's it's, a, it's, it's a it, that's the most unfortunate thing because that was one of the things growing up that was really weird. Like I've got a weird connection to death personally, just through family stuff. I've dealt with a lot of death in my life, but even growing up before any of that, like both my parents, like they had a we. Nah. Not a weird connection to death, but they had so many friends and family that were lost at sea from commercial fishing up here from, you know, everything from heart attacks on the boat or a cable snaps and you get decapitated or you fall overboard or a boat goes down or, and it's just like, it's every time you leave the dock, like it's, you know, you say bye to your family, you give them a hug and a kiss and you tell them you hope to be back, but there's no promises at the end of the day. And it's a dangerous lifestyle. Like it's a dangerous fishery. It's a dangerous, just, I mean, like the Scandies, they were, head, if I'm not, if not, if I'm not mistaken, they were headed back to Kodiak. They were only several miles out from Kodiak. But heavy freezing spray, it was New Year's Eve, they were taking on freezing spray, which for those of you who don't, under, uh, don't know, when a boat's traveling, it's creating spray, it's just the water that you hit a wave, the water sprays up along the sides, but if it's real cold outside, like if it's five degrees outside, by the time that water touches any metal, it'll freeze on contact and it starts to ice up. If you watch the Deadliest Catch, that's when they get out with their little, you know, mallets and stuff and start breaking ice. And if you're loaded down with pots and you get, you know, ice up on your pot stack, all of a sudden that messes with the weight of the boat. Your ballast is all messed up. The balance of the boat's messed up. And all it takes is you take one squirrely wave and you flip a roll. And I mean, then it's There's no writing like it's no, you better hope you've got a survival suit within arm's reach and you're not inside of a cavity of the boat. Like it's just at that point. You're kind of fucking shit out of luck. Like yeah. it's just like you're gonna get lucky to get in a survival suit and off the boat. And even if you get in that position, you're lucky to get found. Like, Seriously. yeah, it's 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 a matter of if you're lucky and if you're prepared. And sometimes even if you're prepared, it's it doesn't work out. And th- I mean, those guys they they've been doing it for one of the, one of the most well known boats years. in South Central Alaska for sure if not yeah. the entire fishing fleet the Scandies was known by like the Jim the cook on our boat mm-hmm. personal friends with you know former former deckhands of the Scandies current deckhands of the Scandies knew the skipper every, like and it's just like he's like I would have never of all the boats like wouldn't have that been was the one, the one that wouldn't was have, like, yeah, yeah exactly it's like there's no reason it should have gone down there's no there's no rhyme or rhythm to it you know and it was 
And that's how the fucking cookie crumbles, unfortunately. And, you know, all we can do is send our condolences to everybody impacted by it. And like you said, there's a reason why we have the Seafarers Memorial, and it's because it's not a safe job. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) People risk their lives going out there every year, and, you know, just we have to just learn from it. So next time you're at Red Lobster, don't be a fucking asshole and tip your waiter. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I heard (laughs) that. Think about everybody that died trying to put that freezer burn ass crab on the table. <laughs> oh, sorry, had to break up break up the sad tone there yeah. for a second. Oh. <laughs> no, but on a serious note, like re- understand and respect where that seafood comes from. That shit's a hustle. Like yeah. it's not. I, know, a- I don't even think half the people know where what it takes. Even on the East Coast, you know what the what the, you were saying with the lobster. I mean, those guys. I mean, they're on smaller boats than we, I mean, 30 foot. Yeah. Anything boats. on the ocean, people don't put enough respect on Mother Nature in the yeah, ocean. Seriously. She is a nasty bitch. <laughs> she will <laughs> let you know every bit of it. Like, yeah, she, yeah. And she, if you respect her, she'll respect you, but just, I don't know. It just depends on the day, too. Oh, yeah. No. And, yeah. You just pray to god you got a good skipper and a good crew around you because seriously that, that's no joke yep and we didn't break down out there uh we only had one trouble uh where uh we found an oil leak uh from our from a turbo um from one of our engines and we were lucky enough to find it and, and we limped back to dutch harbor and swapped it out real quick but um yeah while we were out there i mean there was the summer bay uh those guys were trying to go into saint paul and they got freaking swamped uh, trying to go into the mouth of the uh, St. Paul. And, <sighs> yeah, I mean, it was on deadly sketch and everything. Like, they got all all of it. I th- I'm pretty sure they did. Um, but it just, you know, it just happens like that, just in a blink of an eye. It doesn't take much. No, a, boat, a boat floats until it doesn't. Like, it just... Well, <laughs> they, 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 they rounded themselves, or they, like, keeled over and they came back up. Yeah. But they, like, they destroyed their wee house, I'm pretty sure. Like, oh, the I'm water sure. got in there and everything. <laughs> it was just this mess, man. You know, Might as well have sank. It'd been easier to get the insurance claim <laughs> to deal with the freaking rebuild. Yeah, but you know, I uh, I got out of there and um, and then I went long lining, which was a lot of fun. It was an it, that's an ancient way of commercial fishing or yeah. just fishing in general, and uh, it's hard. Uh, it's hard work. Um, but Explain was, that for anybody listening that doesn't know. Like, what's what is a long line? So a long, a long line is, it's kind of like maybe if you guys know a trout line, um, there's two anchors on one end of the line, and it it's basically, there's hooks spaced periodically in between the line, and uh, it, it's at the bottom of the ocean, um, and you basically, whatever sees that hook with whatever herring or octopus or squid, whatever we're using for bait, they pick it up, and then uh, and then we pick up the, the buoy, with the anchor and just run it through, uh, the block. And, um, you know, everybody's got a different setup for their own boat. Everything's, mm. everybody's so unique. There's so many crazy setups. And, um, but a lot of the guys, we would have one guy, uh, the gaff man, he'd be watching the rail and controlling the, the block and making sure everything's okay. And he sees a halibut. Um, he, he gets it with his gaff and basically helps it overboard because, uh, it's a lot of stress on that hook right mm, on that rip out of the, yeah, yeah it'll just stuff. rip it right out. Especially if it's a big fish, um, they, you, you want to, you want to make sure you get a, 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 a purchase on it basically. Cause that's, you know, if you drop a fish, it's like a $200 fish. Oh, easy. Cause shoot, you're probably getting what, at least $6 a pound at the dock. If that's a 200 pound fish. 
live weight, 200 pounds. You're bringing at least 140 pounds of edible meat off of that. Yep. Times, say, like, that's a $1,000 fish. Yep, you yep. fucked that up. Like, that's, oh, you, guys, <laughs> you caught a monster halibut that yeah. season, didn't you? Yeah, we caught a, we caught a $2,000 fish out there. Yeah. And we saw a $3,000 fish out there. <laughs> uh, oh, uh-oh, saw. Yeah, <laughs> saw one. Oh, that's, just... that's a bottom fish, if you guys don't know, and they live in about 600 foot of water. So uh, seeing it is uh, not a good thing if you're not killing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was just uh, one of those... Fish that got away, kind of. AKA thing. Jack fucked up. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But it wasn't Jackie's fault. I take that back. It was just, it was just life, you know. He kind of, he was, you know, it was a big fish like that. They're, they're the females, you know. They're yeah. producing a more giant fish like that. They're just going to make more monsters like that. And uh, but we were really fortunate enough to get the the smaller one, which was still a two thousand yeah, dollar. What that weigh in at? It was two hundred seventy five pounds. Oh. <laughs> And That's I, a big old fish. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, it took four of us to drag that thing over on on board, and it, it was just a. It was the biggest halibut I've ever been around, and it was. It was just kind of surreal at the moment, you know. I was kind of out there, and you know, I was just like an everyday kind of guy, just going out there, and you know, I have to wake up really early, and you know, it's it's a long long hours, but if you get along with the guys, that's really a good thing, and if you have work good work chemistry with people and if you just don't complain and just work hard and try and do your best then you're going to do good out there that's i mean that's what i try to tell people who want to get interested in it because i know a lot of people especially this last summer they were i mean you know you guys know everybody's just like oh come out fishing you know come out uh saying and come out gillnet every summer yeah every summer but that's just the normal thing he's like if you go don't make too much noise. Don't bitch and complain. Nobody wants to hear it. It's a mental battle. And, That's what yep. people don't really like. Yes, it's physical. You're going to work yourself hard, but you've got to be able to mentally. It's not a nine to five. Like you're not, mm. you're not showing up, going, typing on your computer, bullshitting, sitting on Instagram, this and that. Like it's, Hey, we're going to go out when we're going to fucking suck today's dick for 90 days in a row and we're going to come home with a paycheck and that's yeah. going to be that's going to be how it goes like there's no it's so hard to explain without making it just sound like the worst job on the planet there's no like, free time you're you're so basically think about it, you're like always on the clock exactly yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. like yeah. you show up once you step foot on the boat whether you're fishing or doing dock work whatever you're you belong to that boat. You are you've signed your soul away, whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> until you yeah. until you get that check in your hand, you're you belong to that vessel, and you're gonna do whatever the fuck the dude in the wheelhouse tells you to do. Yep. And I think that's what breaks more people than anything is the whole like. A lot of people can't deal with the being told what to do all the time, even if it's it's 10 o'clock you're laying in your bunk you're like oh you know i'm gonna catch some shut eye whatnot and the skipper comes like hey the bilge needs cleaned or something like you just got to be like okay like there, right. like there, you can't talk back like there's no. no i think it's like adversity a lot of people can't handle adversity mm-hmm. and tried. adversity over an extended period of time because yeah. a lot of people can do that for a week mm-hmm. but can you do that for three and a half months and then at you know, month two, get hit with a crazy storm where your life flashes before your eyes and then shake that off and go back to work for another month. Like that's the type of stuff it takes. And there's tons of opportunity for it. Like even just in the salmon fishing industry, I mean, we all, 
all three of us here sitting here know people who have made sh- close to $100,000 in three months of not lax work, but like, you know, hard work, but three months to make 100K, like, pfft, like I would yeah. fucking do what? In Prince William Sound, too. <laughs> exactly. It's very, very Like, nice there's good here. opportunity in it, but people, you know, they'll travel around the world to come grab fishing in Alaska. And then they quit on day three because they're like, this is hard. It's like, yeah, no fucking shit. You're like, there's a reason bench. why very few people do it. And there's a reason why it's, you can make a lot of money. It's, it's, this isn't Subway. This isn't Starbucks. Like, you're going to work for this. But if you can, like, have the mindset and just, like, mentally grind it through and just kind of understand it's going to be a simple way of living. Like, you're going to shower once every fucking whenever you get a chance. Once a week. Yeah, exactly. That's not even counting if you're on it. That's a good boat, you know? Like, (laughs) I I mean, Saners, you know, those those guys will have that whole setup. But, I mean, Gilnetters, half half the time, those boats don't have... a head. Yeah, one of our good buddies fished with you, Levi. Yeah. I mean, y'all were shitting in a bucket for what? For two months? Two months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got the yeah. video that Levi sent me of you reading a book on a fucking bucket in the fish hole <laughs> with a headlamp I was on. trying to get some free time, <laughs> like alone time, but it didn't work out. <laughs> I got an asshole. <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing with those 32-foot boats. You... you you're with them for a month and a half. I'd almost say that's I, I I haven't personally I haven't experienced either of those. I've I've stayed on like the glamping end of the <laughs> Alaska <laughs> fishing industry. But I'd almost wanna say like the living on a Bristol Bay gill netter I think would be way more challenging than like out west on a big crabber. You know, it's got its ups and downs, um and the work that with some with what some people put themselves through Bristol Bay fishing, they just they fish literally twenty four seven. They go out, they deliver, then they come out and they fish, then they go back and deliver. They don't like they sleep when they can and they yeah. eat when they can. They don't ever really. St- I know a lot of people don't do it like that, but I know people who grind oh, out yeah. and do it like that. That's a big. Staple. They make great money. Yep, and they make but- money. And, it sucks uh, the whole time. It does. It, it and like I said, with you know Levi, Levi and I, uh, we had a lot of fun out there, and we actually didn't make a lot of money that summer. <laughs> oh, I've heard. Yeah, but but uh, we had a great time, and you know, obviously, you've got good videos, and it was. Uh, you know, I, I've always remember that that year with a smile on my face, yeah. like. It, <laughs> and at the end of the day, it's a crazy experience. Like yeah, you're sure. you're in one of the most beautiful places in the world, fishing the largest salmon run in the world. Literally, yep. in the all the salmon you eat in the world comes from this fucking bay, basically. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> unless it's farmed and uh, no, yeah. Bristol Bay has the largest returning salmon run in recorded history ever, every year, ever. Yeah, like it's, it's, just, it's almost like it tops itself every year. Well, I know it's I know one of the few. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's hard to because you can't visualize it. But like if yeah. you saw the wildebeest migration in Africa, where it's just like a literal fuck ton of animals just like going somewhere for no goddamn reason. That's what these <laughs> fish do every year. They're just under the water. You don't see it. And it's just millions of fish just yeah. heading up to this 
handful of rivers. Little creek. Basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they go all the way up. And they're just on this the suicide mission. They're just straight freaking third reiching it up this fucking. Kamikaze. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, think about all the time. It's like going over to Jackaloff or China Poo or something like that. Or not Jackaloff. Uh, Tucker Bay. Yeah. And you see these salmon that are just so thick in there. They're swimming on top of each other. And that's nothing. Oh, that's nothing. That yeah, is a drop in the bucket. Yeah, that's like a, an hour in Bristol Bay. That's yeah. Oh, so that's what I was saying when I didn't make a lot of money when I first started fishing out in the inlet. And then I was like, oh, I need to start making some money. And basically, the, the, the first set we made in Bristol Bay was as much fish as I saw in Cook Inlet combined <laughs> <laughs> for both those two years. Like, oh, that's coming God. in a gill net still. That's yeah, crazy. that's a gill net. And, uh, I mean, we might have been bad fishermen out in the inlet, but, I mean, I, I don't know. It was a, a lot, lot of, of fish. fish. Yeah, it was a stupid amount of fish. Oh, and it's probably just not. I've seen videos over there, like when the clock strikes eight, and oh, there's yeah. just guys with jet boats driving over nets dropping nets on top of each other <laughs> crashing into boats and pissed oh it's a, it's kind of it's the wild west out there it really is it's the it's I, when i when i went out there and i was i was uh, staying at king salmon uh, with our there's a boatyard in king salmon and we would travel down the river every before every season get the boat ready and dude it, the, the the town over there is literally like the wild west <laughs> south, like say south naknik what do you think South Naknik's year-round residency is? Year-round is probably like, like, a two, like <laughs> 200 people, yeah. maybe. That's yeah. insane. That's I've got a like, couple cousins that live out there full-time. They've got like six set net sites out there. Yeah. But it's just like the way that it, it, it blows up. Yeah. Like literally the amount of boats that go there. Just the vessels, not even the crew, triple the population of that town like in a heartbeat. There's like, more boats than people. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, though. It's like, uh, and not even counting like the charter fishermen and everybody else. Because there's all kinds there. of fly out, lodge based, fly fishing, rainbow, best rainbow, rainbow fishing in the oh, world. Yep. Someday. Absolutely insane. You want a 30 inch rainbow, go out to Bristol Bay, catch a fucking giant rainbow salmon. Like that's. Or the King Salmon River. The that's uh, They're known for their, not as big as the Kenai, but. Huge giant rainbow and really big, nice king salmon. Oh, I bet. No, it's just, and it's, I've never gotten to go out there. It's one of those things I need to do. Stanley went out and did a set net season up oh, in uh, Bristol. Nice. Yeah, for one year, right? No, did you like it? Uh, does anybody like it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we always call, we call, we always call the set netters uh, mudders because they just lived in the, the mud. mud. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's mud skippers. He, it he took some really cool experiences out of it. It's, uh, <laughs> Y'all all know Stanley. Uh, bless his heart. Shout out to Stanley Swoboda, my little brother. Super cool. Um, not the same as me. Not the same uh, type. Of, he was kind of like if you took uh, New York City and stuffed him out in the middle of fucking nowhere and told him to catch fish for a living. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> exactly. But uh had a couple experiences going out uh, early morning, go get like hop on the four-wheeler or something and come face-to-face with a brown bear at, like, you know, 10 feet. You're like, oh. Fuck. <laughs> it's six in the morning and I don't want to deal with this like, right now. Poop. <laughs> right. Trying to take a shit and you're making this way harder. Just killing the vibe over here, man. Yeah, but, seriously, though. Oh, <laughs> shoot. Oh, well, enough, enough of the fun talk. Um, let's get down to the nitty gritty. I want to talk about, so 
you've been a longtime friend of ours. We've done all kinds of adventures together. But me and Sean in the last two years have gotten into more backpack backpacking in general and backpack hunting and i'm starting my guide career and now that you're back in town and we've all kind of been that like originally that kind of weekend warrior when we you know through high school and stuff like that it was all about just doing what we can when we can you know it doesn't you know whatever we've got fucking if it could fit the back of the car and get to wherever we're going that's what we're using oh yeah and it's since evolved and now that you're back from hawaii you're kind of you know you know, getting your boots back down in Homer, settling down a little bit. You want to get into the backpacking, the backpack hunting, get on some of these adventures. And I want to just like, I don't know, break down and kind of for the listeners, I want to give a rundown of where you're going to talk some gear stuff, some expectations and all that. But like, cause you're pretty much, this is virgin soil for you for a lot of it. Yeah. Like, I've never really, I've never hunted in my entire, the only time I've ever hunted was with Sean, and we went grouse hunting, yep, and we birds. went uh, rabbit hunting, basically. And hey, you got an axis over in Hawaii this winter. I did. I was going to mention that. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say that that's what gave me the bug. <laughs> yeah, that uh, running through the woods, chasing after those axis deer, and uh, it was. It was fucking awesome. It was so fun. I was just running around. Like, honestly, we we went all old school. We took our shoes off and everything just to sneak up on these deer. Yeah. <laughs> old Remy Warren, what is that, uh, boots off situation? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> boots off situation. And, dude, it was... That that got me hooked, and I was out there, and I was I I couldn't wait to get back to Alaska to start doing this with you guys. I mean, yeah. shit. The first thing you got was you went off and bought a traditional fucking recurve bow right out the get go. I was like, congratulations, you're gonna starve to death. <laughs> <laughs> you the not fun. I got to shoot religiously to get some food on the table. <laughs> yeah, I, and that's what I've been doing. I've been trying to shoot every day, and you know, it's like Sean was saying the. This summer schedule is fucking tough, oh. but if you could try and fit it in, but it's the land of the midnight sun. I I, I was up last night, even though it was the first day of the job today. I, I, I was up last night till like 12 in the morning shooting my bow because it was the last thing I did. I just got done mowing the lawn at like uh, 1030 or something, and then I made dinner, and I was like, you know what? It's still light out. I can get a couple. Dude, always go, go, exactly, (laughs) go shoot whenever you can, especially archery. It's just, it's therapeutic. You get, it's quiet, you just, yep, the mystical flight of the arrow. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Uncle Ted. (laughs) (laughs) Wacko stack him, baby. (laughs) But no, it is, there is just kind of that cool, like, connection to, I don't know, once, like, you got your first, you know, first big game animal with your axes deer, and it's just, I don't know, for a lot of people, it'll either seal the deal on, they're going to do this for the rest of their life, or they just don't don't care about it. Like, it, it just, it's like, oh, that, that was neat. Or but it's truly primal, man. Oh, Some oh, people, it, it really connects them to what they eat, who they are. It truly connects them to their own being. Yeah, like, you, like you're saying, it's, it's almost like there's no explanation, except it's kind of... You know, when I was, I grew up fishing and stuff, like I said, but that kind of was the missing piece, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, it kind of just clicked in place. I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of like what we're meant to do. And yep. that's kind of what I want to go towards. And, you know, it, it's, it's really, uh, when I'm starting off like virgin soil, you're saying basically it's really kind of tough 
to kind of know where you're at seems like a lot to take take in like everything at once you know like the gear or the wet like what kind of guns do i need or should i just be a bow hunter or there's so many different avenues you could take but you know if you just take it like one step at a time and uh just try and accumulate the stuff that you got or just just go out there and do it if you just go out in the honestly just going out in the woods with I don't know. Just go hiking through the woods. It's so much fun. It kind of just grounds you. Well, and that's the thing. Because, like, at the end of the day, that's the biggest issue with the outdoor community, in my opinion. Because growing up, it was, for me, it was just a part of life. That was what we did. You know, growing up in Texas, it was way different. But it was like, we hunt and fish, and we only ate venison growing up. Like, we killed our deer in the fall, and we killed, you know, we'd shoot, like, four to six deer. And then that's what we ate for the year for the family. And that was just, that was life. There was no alternative for us growing up and coming up here. And it's just like, it's that, but to a different level, you know, you're, you know, you're backpacking in, you're going 30 miles in for sheep that, you know, hoping to spot three in a 10 day period and be able to make one legal and go find it. Like maybe get a shot off on it. Exactly. (laughs) If you're lucky, you know, and it's, it is just a different world, but it does it, it like you said, it grounds you. It lets you connect to connect to you know, it sounds all hippy dippy, but connect to the earth, connect to like what what it means to be on this planet and be like I don't know, as humans, we see everything from a human perspective, which that's just fucking how it is. You know, mm-hmm. we're people. We you know, we communicate with other people, we don't communicate with animals we don't come but like being out there and just hearing the birds in the morning understand all of a sudden you like hone in on these things you never think about in daily life you're like oh i i haven't heard that bird before like you pick up on things that or you hear a bug or something you're like that's a different bug like it's it's day four and you're like what is that bug? (laughs) you learn learn so much about things that are around you all the time that you don't notice yeah. You learn so much if you're out there watching, not even hunting, but watching moose communicate with each other and how they interact with each other. It will make you a better hunter. Yeah. And it truly connects you to nature. Yeah, just being out there. And, like, I, I kind of got sidebarred on all that. But just everybody gets caught up in – because we've got amazing technology. And we've just come off a 10-year freaking bull market where everybody's making tons of money. Everybody can buy a Gunworks rifle and a brand-new Kafaru pack and a brand-new this and that. But they might get 10 days in the quote unquote woods, which might be a plot of a thousand public land acres. Whereas you really, what you have to do is just get out there, get out there. Regardless, you could have a freaking tennis shoes, a Jansport backpack and your great grandfather's hand me down, you know, three Oh eight and your dog. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you just got to get after it. And that you can always build upon that. Like there's so many people that go out and buy fifteen thousand dollars worth of gear but they go out for a weekend and they're like ah it was shitty and it's like i wouldn't say it was shitty you just you don't have the experience you don't have the knowledge you don't have the it takes time like it's just you gotta appreciate it exactly and there's just there's so many layers to that and it just you just gotta start like yeah you have to go that i think like you were saying before the podcast started it was you just have to start yeah that's the biggest it's like working out like after you, you might be working, you might be working out, you might be the toughest motherfucker ever, and then you stop working out, then you're like, oh man, this is kind of nice, and then you're like, 
the hardest thing is to start Dark. back up again. Exactly. Yeah. You can have all the shit, but if you don't use it, it doesn't mean nothing. You could yeah. be you could be freaking the cover of Kuyu's freaking monthly magazine that goes out, but like if you're not out there doing it, you're not going to be good. You're not going to be proficient. You might get something here and there, but like it's it's a full lifestyle when it comes down to it. Like you just got to be out there. You got to live it. You got to learn. There's you know, you just like moose hunting. Moose hunting's a fairly, e- I wouldn't say easy, but it's a mild hunt. It's, it's slower. A, exactly. But it's still hard if you're not out there. If you go, you're like, oh, I got a three-day weekend this year. I'm going to go get a moose. <laughs> oh, good luck. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, where are you going to go? <laughs> that's just like, it's not how it, how it works. And especially like where you're, you're starting at, you're starting at ground zero. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you've got it. You've got a great you know, great gun to get started, and that's about it, you know. Yeah, the vacuum sealer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and that's just, and there's nothing wrong with that at all because we all start there. Like, people, you know, that's that's kind of the intimidation factor. It's like, shit, you see the freaking price tag people are throwing around with all this stuff. But it's like, we all had to start somewhere. And the hardest thing to do is, like you said, is to start. First day at the gym is the worst day at the gym because yep. you had to fucking... Get your ass kicked. Exactly. You're <laughs> shitty at it. You're sore afterwards. Like, nothing about it's enjoyable. You don't see any results. And it's very relatable to hunting. It's like, you go, you spend this money, you go out, you don't fucking see anything, you get all bug bitten, you do, get shitty sleep for a week, and you're like, huh, Oh. Off to next week. Like it's just like you just. <laughs> That's got- why I admire like people who go and backpack and hike and backpack hike and camp, and then you're at camp and you're doing a lot of the things you're doing hunting, just without the hunting part. Or even people who go and forage and mushroom hunt and shit like that, they're still out there. They're still fully immersed and looking at nature and being with nature and seeing all the stuff and out there getting bit by bugs and drinking out of a creek and eating freeze dried food. They're still there. They're still doing it. They're still out there getting it. And they're doing all the suck part without the fun. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they don't even... Well, they do know, but like they're just happy and content with that, you know? Like they'll, yeah, absolutely. They'll just, they'll just take a, a mushroom book and go looking for mushrooms. Or, yeah. or And it's a simple type of living, like know. you'd mentioned cool. earlier. It's just like a simple lifestyle, like getting down to... And it's just... Being, it's a great, it's a truly perfect reset. I was listening to a Joe Rogan the other day and he had, uh, I think he, I can't remember what episode, doesn't matter, but he was just saying it's the perfect reset. It's closest thing to a non like psychedelic drug that you can do as a human being. It's just go somewhere with no cell service for a week, live off of what you can carry on your back. You don't hear any cars or any, you don't talk to anybody or anything like that. And the only thing you have to do mind. is survive. Like yep. eat, drink, don't get eaten by a bear or wolves and survive. And that's or hell. You just you just camp out in a in a public campsite and then you just walk through the woods. I mean, it will literally blow your mind. Just the, it's almost like this weight of, is lifted off your shoulders. Yeah, that's that's kind of because I got back from Hawaii and it's kind of like a you know it's kind of crowded there. There's a lot of people, um, but then I came back here and uh, and 
I didn't realize something that there's always this background noise in Hawaii. Just there's like always a buzz, bugs. Yeah, yep. bugs. I didn't even know. I didn't, and then of course the cars and stuff. I didn't really care about that. But the I didn't know there was the bugs. Like the it was just like the white noise. You know, mm-hmm. I never noticed it. And then we moved out to our place we got last summer at at, uh, at at Fritz, and you know it's just silence, and it's just like. It's surreal. You're it's, backing up to the boonies back there. Yeah, it's it's, and then you just all of a sudden you hear like just this little bird, and you're like, whoa, what was that? Like, what kind of bird is that? And then or you hear a, a twig break, you hear that. Oh, what's over there? And you're just like, yeah. It it hits that like we said earlier that primal instinct of just like, ooh, what? <laughs> what's over there? Like, and it's just like. And you want to look, you want to be like, oh, what is that? Because like, there's, there's cool. nothing else going on, you no. know? And you just, you get intrigued. And then it just. You're enjoying the sunlight. It's the snowball and, effect. Oh it just, God. you know, it's, it yeah. starts rolling downhill and it just grows yep. and grows. So I wanted to kind of start. Sorry, rough, rough transition. Uh, but <laughs> like, what are your. So for for the listeners and for us sitting here, like, what is your goals with what you want to do with the outdoors? Like with your, what are your expectations? What are your hopes? What are your kind of, do you have any goals lined out for what you want to do with the outdoors, with this backpacking, with this, you know, getting into hunting? Like, what is your personal goals with that? And kind of where... What are you going to do and how are you going to go about achieving those to start? And we'll build on that. Well, um, I guess one of the biggest goals I had and uh, I think when it kind of started out in, in Hawaii, honestly, uh, was I, want, I got that recurve bow, like you said, and I, wanted, I want to learn how to shoot that and I want to be able to kill almost anything with it. You know, maybe not a fucking grizzly bear but you know i want to be fucking cool it would be cool yeah (laughs) but it'd be real cool i think i think the good goal to start is uh is my my i think my first goal is to get a black bear with it and that's definitely a couple maybe probably two years down the road i need to definitely i mean i'm kind of accurate but i probably couldn't fuck thread the needle you know you gotta be you gotta be accurate especially with a big big animal like a bear um maybe not so much as a caribou there's that caribou hunt up at uh uh, Fairbanks, yeah, yep. All road. Yep, I wanted. That's a goal of mine too. Um, I want to work towards that because you know you got a gun, you have to go a mile away, which I mean you could do, but if you're on the road and you know fucking you got a friend who's got a drone, you throw it up in the air and you you try and get ahead of the the <laughs> herd or something, you know, and then you just get lucky and the herd crosses the road or something like that. I don't know. Like no just, just for everybody uh, listening, that's a hundred percent illegal. Oh, but. really? No joke. <laughs> okay, I, never mind. I, but that's okay. You're 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 a poor little virgin in the in the household of God. I, I, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. So, but even going up there still, and you know, crossing like you said with the wildebeest migration, they're just running across the fucking road, or they're just there's thousands of them up there. And if you're lucky enough, you post up, and you know, you kind of get the lay of the land. Uh, you can get lucky. You don't have to go anywhere other than the road. And, I mean, you kind of have to go if you're actually hunting them. But that's best but, case but, scenario. But you get to – no, I – I think what you're trying to get at there is just like, so what he's describing is the Hall Road Hunt, which is the Dalton Highway, which is like a 240-mile stretch from Prudhoe Bay, which is the north slope of Alaska, which is basically, it's the most northern northern town 
in North America, I think in the fucking world, um, but runs down to pretty much Fairbanks. And there's a five mile corridor on each side of the road where it's archery only and a massive caribou migration goes through. It's an all gravel non, I mean, it's maintained, but it's, it's a gravel road. It's going to be freaking garbage, hot garbage. <laughs> um, but, but there's tons of caribou that go up there and it's an amazing archery opportunity. And it's something that like, so it's, it's something that us Alaskans have access to. You take a truck and a trailer up there. You can freaking live, live high on the hog truck, truck camping, basically just driving back and forth down the, you know, highway stretch yep. and spotting caribou making stocks. And it's a tough hunt, but it's, you know, it's an amazing opportunity and it's something that especially, you know, you're kind of already got your feet wet with the archery deal. It's, it's one of those amazing opportunities where it's definitely that's an amazing goal to have. Yeah, it's, a, it's just something to look forward to, you know. Like Absolutely. maybe it might not ever happen, but I definitely want the the black bear goal is my first goal. That yeah. you know everything else is kind of on top of that and And I think that's a really good one, especially where we're at. Yeah. That's kind of Homer, we've got good moose hunting. But outside of that, like black bear, that's a year round opportunity, and we have a fuck ton of black bears. Not nothing giant. We, you know, you're not going to shoot a 600 pound bear, but you've got an opportunity to kill an amazing bear with. It costs us what? What's? I think my hunting fishing trapping license like is like a hundred and ten dollars. Yeah, like, I didn't look. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't look. I like, yeah, I got it. I have it. I'm not going. Yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever. You could shoot. You get five tags, but you can only shoot three here for free. So, oh, God, we need to really big, adjust that. Big whoop, right? <laughs> we had what? We've got nine tags sitting here at the table. And how many bears did we kill this year? Hey, don't be saying that. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> but, Sean you know, fucked up, okay? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen. Listen. Also, half blame on old Scoop for uh, having a heart attack and fucking up our last hunt. Uh, just kidding. Love you, Dad. It's uh, birthday. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Doesn't want to go hunt for her birthday. Yeah, what type of average Alaskan bullshit is that? <laughs> Wants to be a part of the there. family. but <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's just it's one of those things, you know, if you kind of, you get, that, when, like you said, with, in Homer here, I don't want to take, I want to I appreciate everything we have. And, Absolutely. Uh, and I, and kind of capitalize on what we got because you know i don't think realistically i can sneak up to a fucking moose when half the people in town can't find a fucking moose. <laughs> so oh we'll get you there we'll get oh you i there. know i know there's those secret spots back in the hills but <laughs> the bears are a lot more prevalent i think that's more of a of a better goal for me personally and if i practice like every day i've been trying to and and then maybe one day it'll it'll come to fruition, and you know you don't have to have like Michael and Sean have been saying you don't have to have the most expensive gear in the fucking world. You can have extra tufts and Carhartts and a jacket, and if you really wanted to, you can get some kind of fancy scopes and uh, other stuff to just to get the lay of the land. And you know if you get a good stock on, you know something like that. And then of course the the, the weaponry too, like you know the broadheads and stuff like that. But you know that's that's down the road. You know like you, you kind of just take the first step. No, exactly. And you've got a very healthy mindset with that. And I don't want to make any assumptions, but that I think like you mentioned earlier in the podcast at the beginning, talking about just kind of coming from like a humbled background and like minimalistic living to begin with like 
we all want a fucking Gunworks $10,000 rifle, but it's like, it doesn't do you fucking shit all for good if you don't get out there and do it. You know, shoot it two times a year or something (laughs) like that. It's like, oh, that looks cool on the wall. Exactly. (laughs) No. And so, let's go. Goodness, I just I got you got the I'm all, I'm all yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, exactly this this is what I live for I love this talk no um so what let's start like tell the people like truly where you're starting at what do you have hunting gear wise like right now going into the woods like you've you've got a decent rifle i know that tell the people a little bit about that and i can help chime in on that you've talked about your bow like because i want to i want to dig into and me and sean are going to give you you know some kind of tips or uh some insight on gear items you should definitely look into and invest in first Mm -hmm. once you get into this uh process but tell the people like what where are you starting because like i want them to understand that, like we're starting from ground zero here. Like, well, yeah, it doesn't get more ground zero than this. I kind of just have, like I said, extra tufts are my. I kind of blew out my last hunting, hiking slash boots, and uh, I haven't had the time to buy new ones. So I just I got some good old fashioned extra tufts, which you know they'll get you they'll get you going. But you know, hiking fucking ten miles in those things, they'll kick your ass. <laughs> oh dude, working so, all day in them fucking Yeah, ass. so they just that's not the most realistic. But you know, in a quick pinch, if I can't really rename a more reliable boot that I have. Um and dude, you know extra tufts will do fucking people been hunting in them motherfuckers for forever. Too long. long. Time. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> and uh I think uh, the extra tufts, and then you know the pants. I got these really nice pair of pants I got from Nomar a long time ago, and they've never. They're, they're so. Th- they're just. They're really good, breathable pair of pants. They're not waterproof, but they are. They keep me warm. I'm pretty sure they're wool, uh, which is crazy. Um, uh, but they they just they wick the water away, and I was very fortunate to get get these at. Uh, I got it at the fucking Salvation Army, actually. Fuck yeah. The um, Gale Force series? Yeah, Gale Force, yeah. Yeah, they're so good. Yeah, they're man. so, so very nice. And I don't know. It was something about that. And then, you know, I got long, I got warm long sleeve, short sleeve t-shirts. You know, you don't have to have, like, the, I got the Under Armour type deal stuff. Just stuff yeah. to wick away the moisture. Keeps your body. I like to wear a, t- uh, a long sleeve shirt. And then a and then an Under Armour T shirt on top of that because the long sleeve shirt usually gets wet, but then the T shirt kind of acts as a vest and keeps your your core temperature to your core. It doesn't lose it right away, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know with the jacket, I got a couple jackets that I got a Carhartt jacket that's worked me really well, and I got a couple other jackets that are waterproof. But you know, it's nothing fancy, and honestly, it's just. It's just kind of getting out there, and you know, if it keeps you warm, then I mean, you can't really complain about it. The best gear you have is what you got. Yeah, like, nope. that's just at the end of the day. Yep, and uh, and I think I think basically to top that off is I just got a couple of good hunting hats that I can use. And- Fuck yeah! <laughs> hey, most important, important piece yeah. of gear is finding a lucky hat. Yeah, lucky hat. <laughs> yep, and then uh, you know the the safety glasses for if you're going over to Kodiak or something like that. Pussy. I got a, I got a couple. <laughs> Don't let him say shit. That hey, shit hurts when you Hey, I, I learned it on this podcast. I was like, I'm not going over there without those things. So I got a good pair of those. You know, I just keep them around. And it, I mean, they're cheap. They're fucking five, two bucks or something like that. But, you know, just simple things like that. They can, you could use them and there's nothing fucking wrong with them. And, and then 
I don't know with the with the with my gun. I have a three thirty eight. Uh, is a Hawkeye. You've got a Ruger M seventy seven Hawkeye. Yeah, uh, yeah, amazing rifle three thirty eight, which is literally like the perfect. If you're gonna live in Alaska and you're gonna kind of you're looking to get into just you want one gun to do it all. The Ruger M seventy seven Hawkeye. It's a controlled feed action. Shooting a three thirty eight Win Mag, it'll kill anything in the state, no problem. And it just the gun you've got is primo. I wouldn't do anything to it. Eventually, put a better scope on it, but you've got a I believe four to twelve vortex on it, oh. which for that gun, perfect. Literally, like you're you're grooving. When we were at the range, oh shoot, that was probably a month ago already. Is that uh, a month ago, dude. Summer's flying by already. Oh my it's god, just it just started it's and it's already oh, over. God. Like, <laughs> But no, slick Damn. gun, great gun. You've got it for a great deal, and yeah, it's super cheap. I got it from an old, old boss of mine, and you know he gave it to me. He's like, I only shot it three times, you know, and I figured you and your dad would probably use it more than I would, and I was like, fuck yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eight hundred bucks. I can't, I can't. No, smirk for for that. yeah, for a gun, scope rings, scope. The whole shebang, you got a killer deal there. Um, Sean, what would be your, give your top three of, we kind of discussed this on an earlier podcast, but for old Jackie Poo here, what would be your top three to get into? You know, kind of discussed what he has now, but like, what would, where would you invest your money if you were starting from You know, knowing what you have, I would get boots for sure. Yeah. Step one. You know, I think. Being able to hike and go places, go anywhere you need to go, and you're not going to be like, fuck, I don't want to hike up there in these. You know, your feet yeah. are sloshing around. You want to look up the hill and be like, I got this, bitch. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> I got that easy. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Boots, for sure. You've got a good base layer. You know, as long as you have good boots, good socks, you've got the gun covered. You know, if you're going on day trips and things like that. Really? Boots, for me? Number one, number two would be, man, I don't maybe a pair of gaiters, just so you don't tear your shit up right away. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And rain gear, yeah. rain gear is big. Yeah. Rain pants, rain jacket. You already got that special hat, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm one step ahead of the game already. <laughs> well, I'm gonna jump in there and uh, pick up where Sean fucking mistakenly missed off. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, uh, a backpack because you need shit to carry your shit. Oh uh, yeah, I don't have a backpack. But we got you covered there. Uh, you'll probably end up uh, acquiring. My Kuyu pack, which that'll probably be your loner pack for here for a while, because uh, Jack is a part of the average Alaskan family. Um, as long as he doesn't fuck it up, don't fuck it up. <laughs> Drop it down. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> but uh, no, I've got uh, I, since I bought my Barney's pack and I've been using this Kuyu pack for a while. I enjoy it, but uh, I think that's going to get sent down to Jackie over here. It's been a great, great pack for me. It's packed out uh, some deer off of Kodiak, uh, several caribou, and it's been. Everything that I can ask for, and um, you know, hopefully uh, get it over to you for a really good price. Give it to you as a you know lo- loaner from here to there. But uh, at some point, Until hopefully, get I'll get a, a paycheck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's good to have good friends, right, Jack? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's good to have friends with shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, I can have your hand me down. <laughs> hey, dude, that's exa- it. Just gives me a reason to buy newer <laughs> shit, so I'm like, ah, I can give my friends my older shit. No. 
yeah. But definitely a good backpack because um, you got to have something to one haul game out on and two carry all your bullshit in. Yeah. Uh, Jack is famous for bringing a cast iron skillet on every uh, camping adventure trip ever. <laughs> So we're going to need a big backpack for his dumb ass. Um, no, just I just carry it on my hip. <laughs> Stay strapped. Uh, oh, that's funny. First line of defense. <laughs> I'm ready. Oh, shoot. But yeah, good backpack. So we'll get you squared away with that. Like Sean said, a good pair of boots because boots, they, we had, a, we did a top three episode earlier. Um, couple episodes ago and i totally like i i think whatever footwear you have is optimal but if you're gonna truly invest some money into something a good pair of boots goes so far especially because you use it for hiking camping hunting like it just everything it kind of gets beat up i mean and that's the unfortunate thing about boots is it's one of the like a a backpack you can run that for seven years you know hard and it'll still be in decent shape pair of boots you run them hard if you get three falls out of them you're doing really good like i'm expecting i just bought a pair of 500 dollars boots and i expect them to be completely torn to shit and unusable by october which is super unfortunate (laughs) (laughs) but it's just you know i wouldn't be able to do what i plan on doing in extra tufts or in, you know, hiking shoes or low rise hike. Like there's just steel toed leather boots. You know, it's oh, one of those. It's like yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, you almost have to think about like backpacking as an occupation. Like if you're going to go crab fishing, you're going to have some badass rain gear. Like you're going to have some badass glo- like fifteen hundred dollars worth of rain gear. <laughs> exactly, and that's kind of the mentality when it comes to like backpacking. Unfortunately, uh, you know, you can definitely cut corners on certain stuff, but you're going to end up paying. $600 for a backpack, $300 for a pair of boots, and then all of a sudden, like, blah, 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 blah. It just, like, adds up exponentially. But I think if you get a solid backpack, which we've got you covered, you know, now on that, a good pair of boots, and then... Because uh, we've got lots of crap. Honest, we've got I sleep think, systems, we've got I so think a good cook, <laughs> good cook system... Honestly, like a good something that'll get you in the backcountry and keep you in the backcountry for a little bit, which and those are fairly reasonable. Like a jet boil, I use a jet boil. Sean hates them. Uh, he doesn't fucking commie. <laughs> <laughs> but a good jet boil sets you back a hundred twenty bucks. A good MSR will set you back about one sixty. Like at two hundred bucks, you can get a cook system that'll be freaking lights out for five to ten years, and it'll keep you out there and it lets you. You know, we we're all gluttons. We like food. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little fatty. <laughs> exactly. Like it. It lets you. You know. It lets you eat. Like it really sucks being it. Like you're like, oh, I got to make a fire. Figure out some hot stuff. Like it just when you can just spark up your little white gas stove and just cook something up right there. No, so I think pack boots and then a cook system because you've already got a more than capable rifle. Um, you've been practicing with your bow. Definitely. I, I recommend getting out there with your gun regardless to begin with. Keep shooting your bow every freaking chance you get because that's just what it takes to become a proficient archer. You know, if I could, I would shoot my gun every day. But Can't if, it's, it, it is like a $4 a bullet, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. no, I would, though. I would. Seriously. Cause and, I mean, me and Sean are in the same boat. We, we try and shoot when we can, but... Uh, 
with one of ammo availability and two the oh, expense yeah, behind yeah. it, it just it's hard to we get you know we shoot what we can, we get our guns dialed in, we get comfortable with them, and from there we just kind you just kind of have to freaking you know trust yourself unfortunately in the in the certain circumstances that we're in up here in alaska and you know the way it is in the you know here the what what is this the 21st century or 20 fucking we're we're up there (laughs) we're getting see i think a lot of people skim over the fact that not just owning a gun not just owning a bow but being lethal with them yeah not just going out there consistent you don't use your gun one time two times a year but being able to be lethal you don't have to shoot it all the time you don't have to be the best expert sniper, but you truly have to be lethal. You have to be able to go out there and accomplish the mission. Yeah. You know, you're going out there hunting to kill something. If you're going to kill something, kill it dead. Be proficient and be lethal with it. Yeah. I think that's the biggest point of owning firearms in general or bows. Yeah, it comes down Seriously. to, you know, the I think it's NRA rule number three. If you point at something, expect to kill it. Like yeah. that's, you know, when you point a gun at it, when you get behind that trigger... If you're not, if you don't trust yourself to get the job done, get the fuck off the trigger. Like at the end of the day, I'm sorry. Like that's just how it is. If you're like, if you're sitting there like shaking, trembling, just oh, oh fuck, I don't, I haven't shot much. I don't know where to. Eh, like, sorry. Enjoy looking at it through the scope and just you know flick that safety back on and tuck tail. Like that's Practice. just great hunters wing animals. Yeah, yeah. great um, hunters injure animals and sometimes don't recover, and that happens. Imagine not being a great hunter and not. Getting that time behind your rifle and knowing your rifle and knowing how to shoot, knowing how to dial in your scope, that matters. Being Definitely. able to being proficient. And yeah. just like shooting your bow. It's like, would you trust yourself right now if there's a grouse five yards outside the door to grab your bow and shoot oh, it? Oh, fuck yeah. Exactly. But if you go, like you said earlier, you don't shoot it for six months, and you're like, man, fuck that. <laughs> well, I'll just wing it. And if you're in that mindset of I'll just, it's like I'll yeah, just sit your ass back down on the couch and get back to practice. Seriously, though. And honestly, with the bow, it's even, it's almost 90% of a mind game. Consider, like, oh, yeah. compared to a gun, a gun is kind of more technical. You kind of have to understand your gun. You have to understand it. And if you don't, you're kind of, you're... That's shooting in the yeah, you shoot out of luck, basically. <laughs> but with a bow, you are thinking, I have to make, I I can make this shot. I can hit that bullseye, or I can hit that grouse. I can hit that spot. I've hit it a hundred times beforehand. But then, you know, if you don't think about, you're like, oh, what if it goes right? It's probably gonna go fucking right. Yeah. Like that's Target the thing, panic, man. It's a real thing. It really yeah. is. Buck I mean, it happens to yeah. rifles too. I'm, I'm. Oh yeah, no, you sure. get behind. You're looking at a trophy, anything. If you're looking at an animal in general, like people like to play, you know, I'm a tough guy. I don't get buck fever. I don't get this and that. Like, no, that's that's just a part of that's a part of the outdoors. That's a part of the activity we take place in. If you don't get that, you know, if you don't get that adrenaline dump, that oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, like you know, you might want to re recheck your priorities because you might have lost the love or this and that. But like. Exactly. It's a mental game. You have to be able to not only understand your equipment, but understand yourself, understand how to get yourself into a mental space of where you can accomplish what you're trying to do and, you know, get the job done at the end of the day, you know, accomplish the mission you set out on. And also, like, you're lining up to take a shot and you think it's like a good shot, but, you know, if also, like, it could not be a good shot. Like, you could just be like, I need to take a step back. Like, if I shoot this this deer and it hits it 
with the wrong angle. It's just going to run off, and I'm never going to see it again, and it's just going to die as painful death, you know? Yeah. And you kind of have to accept that with yourself. You have yeah. to be truthful. You got to under- exactly. You got to understand if you if you get all ramped up and screw up your job, you're not just screwing up what you did. There's consequences on the other end of that. You might not personally feel them, but you're going to, you know, it's going to happen. We had, you know, personal example, the trip I was transporting our hunters two weeks ago on, we had a shot opportunity on a really nice bear. We had, you know, seen it a couple times working down this beach line, set up a hunter and we knew, they knew, you know, we kind of knew where the bear was going to be this and that. And I, you know, I told them, I was like, Hey, you got all night, take your time. Like do like, and I was like, I know this is going to sound cliche or freaking blah, blah, blah. But I was like, just, you got all night. Like just take your time. Set like, it up. Exactly. And Got a shot opportunity, really nice bear, ended up missing it, and got back to the boat, and, you know, we were kind of going through it, looking through film, all this, you know, clean miss, and he was like, you know, I, you, you told me, like, I had all the time in the world, I thought I was good, this and that, the bear was, you know, the bear was just feeding, I had all the time in the world, and I just kind of rushed it, and he was like, you told me, like, you, we, we had all the time in the world, and I should have, you know, I sh- exactly, and it was... He's an avid hunter, been hunting for a long time, and it was just one of those, like, no matter how many tags you've notched, this and that, like, you're going to get, you're going to be put in a situation where you get excited, and you have to be able to, you know, calm yourself, steady yourself, and get it done at the end of the day, and it's just that or you don't, and if you don't, you got to, you know, be able to say you fucked up, like, it's just, yeah, exactly. And uh, isn't that one of the, the policies you have uh, going over to Kodiak? If you if you shoot at an animal or you hit an animal and it yep. runs away and then, you know, nope. like, yep. that's it? In Alaska, if you wound an animal, if you draw blood, that's your animal. Oh, that's, you oh, punch that's your the, tag. Yep. Oh, okay. So, like, if you're out moose hunting and you've got one moose tag, you shoot something, you wound it, you can't find it, like, that's your tag. You punch that tag. And, unfortunately, it comes down to the honor system. You could easily turn a blind eye to it. Plenty of people do. But, like... You know, we'll get hunters on the boat. We actually, our very first trip of this season, they got five bears, harvested five bears, and they had one hunter who hadn't harvested his bear yet. And through conversation, it kind of came up that he actually had shot at a bear and hit a bear and lost it. And at that point, kind of had to come, you know, be like, hey, that's that's your tag. Like, you know, the one, it was, it was a, it's a little messed up that you hit it, but hey. You know, you know, it's done. Sometimes it's done. They survive. Like, exactly. Yeah. And, but uh, you yeah, got to recognize time, yeah. like that's your tag. Your tag's punched. The hunt's over. You know, you don't have a tag anymore. We're heading back to town. And that's just how it goes. And unfortunately, like it's the unfortunate part of hunting. My first ever archery hunt or not first ever archery hunt, but the first animal I ever shot with uh, a bow with archery equipment, I was... I believe 12 years old hunting in Texas with my compound. I had a doe white tail at about 20 yards. Thought I had a really good shot. Tracked a blood trail for about 150, maybe 200 yards, heavy blood. And it dried up and I ended up not recovering the animal. We grid searched for a day and a half, never found it. And it's just like, 
you know, it's super unfortunate, but that's just part of, you know, it's one of the ugly truths about hunting is you're gonna throughout your career, throughout your lifetime hunting, you're gonna mess up. And even if it's not necessarily a mistake, it's just something that happens and it, you know, occurs during the hunt. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna wound an animal. You're gonna lose an animal. If you hunt and spend enough time in the woods, it's going to happen. And it's yeah. just something you've got to understand and be able to, you know, come to terms with because it does suck. And there's going to be times like you might go draw a once in a lifetime sheep tag, wound a sheep, not find it. And be, you have to own up to that. You're like, well, That's that was my sheep tag. And I've, you know, I, fucking, I screwed the pooch, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, but that's life, you know, it's, it's, you know, everything happens for a reason. Like, sometimes just it's the universe telling you, like, you know, it's not your day or it's just – it's that sheep's day or, you know, something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, he got shot. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but exactly. Like, it's going to be, you know, you should have practiced more. You should have exactly. took a little more time yeah. on your shot or – you should have checked this or there, you know, and that's, you know, that's Monday morning quarterbacking. It's hard to look back on stuff like that, but it's just something as a hunter, it's going to happen. And you got to, you know, come to terms with that extreme ownership. Yep. And if you're not, then it's like, you kind of have to think about what you're doing because, you know, that's just, especially if you meet the wrong person out there, they will take that extremely wrong way. If you don't have the same standard as them, because they, I'm just speaking per se maybe of a guide who literally does that for their livelihood and if you see this guy come up and just does like almost doesn't respect he's like oh i want to get another bear i like i i got a tag i need Mm. to tag out and the guy's like no hell no like that's that's my livelihood you can't do that no that's one of the things we come across every year because it's always unfortunate because guys are like oh come on like it's you know just sweep it under the carpet it's like it's that slippery slope. You can't do that. Like, because if I do it for you, I have to do it for everybody. If I'm doing that, I'm breaking the law once, but not once, but and every it's your time. Ass. Exactly. And it's just like, that's our livelihood. The, mm-hmm. the reason why we have so much opportunity and so much bounty up here in Alaska is because it's managed correctly. We have great opportunity and it's managed correctly. And if you screw around with that process, it messes everything up. And it's just like you said, you run into the wrong person, even if it's a complete stranger. You never know, you know, there's somebody watching at all times, you For know, sure. do yeah. as you do with people watching as if nobody's there, you know, like you've got to, you've got to be true to yourself. And at the end of the day, like a lot of it, you, you could wound a moose and be like, ah, fuck, I'm, I flew in here. I hiked out 10 miles. I got this base camp. Nobody's, nobody's near like who, Who's going to tell? Yep. But at the end of the day, if you wound a moose and then go shoot an 80-inch freaking absolute stud Boone and Crockett record book moose, guess what? You got to live with that bullshit in the back of your mind that you you cheated that situation. Like, that's just... Ownership. You, know? you have to truly own it. Otherwise, you're not fair to everyone else and you're not being fair to yourself. Definitely. <clears throat> yep. Like, we all played sports through high school and stuff and, like... You know, you're only cheating yourself and your teammates, you know? It's like, you can can skip a rep, you can do whatever, but, like, guess what? You're only fucking yourself up, and in the long run, it's going to bite you in the ass at some point, you know? Yep, and it'll fuck other people over, even though you didn't intend it to happen. It's almost like you're ruining it. You ruin it for the rest of, if, if it gets out of hand, you know? Like, if everybody does that, then 
there's not going to be. I mean, it's complete garbage. And then, yeah. then you lose your rights to do it, and then you can't do it anymore. Nobody else can do it anymore. Like, there's going to be winged animals. Like, it's just, it's, it's uh, etiquette. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Proper. No, truly. And that's one of the, I don't know. I know you personally, and I know you're a great person, and which is, you know, awesome to start with. You've got a good base to start with with the outdoors. And a lot of it does come down to just that personal responsibility, etiquette stuff. Because, like, even simple things, like, you go do a backpacking trip, eating hunting regardless, doesn't have to be hunting. But, like, you go out there, and you've got a granola bar wrapper or something. Like, you've got two options. Stuff it in your pocket or, whoop, oh, there it went. Who saw it? Nobody. Exactly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, you get to you get to make a decision, and that decision stays with you. Maybe nobody else knows it. You know, you know, God might know. Whatever religious body, karma, whatever you believe in, like you and that that entity knows it, and that's it. But at some day, you got to answer for that. Well, you know, at some level, and you know, you just got to better <laughs> just we find you. Because I'm picking up that granola bar, right there. <laughs> and he's not—he's not every hike we ever do. Sean is a litter Nazi. <laughs> I didn't used to be that way. You know that. Oh, I know. I didn't used to be that way. I I'm, used to be the I'm guy just... I'd be like, crush can, throw it out the fucking window. You know, I was. Since I started hunting, since I started fishing hardcore, it's not that way. Because you know, you go out there and you try to enjoy the outdoors, and you'll be in the middle of nowhere, but you see a Coors Light can smash on the ground, and you're like, shit, man, God. Damn it. Yeah, of all things, I'm gonna pick it up. And I if I find you throwing it, I'm a it's gonna go down. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> yell at you. <laughs> you know, I always just try to practice packing what you pack out. Like that is the most efficient way. You're never gonna have trouble anywhere you go. I mean, honestly, if you pick up trash while you're out there, even if you're, you know, running around somewhere and somebody's like, Oh, hey, what are you doing here? Like, what what's going on? And it's just like, oh, I'm just Going hunting and, you know, picking up some trash. You know, people left some shit. If you just tell them the truth, then they'll be like, they'll respect you a lot more for that well, than anything else. Doing beach cleanup or cleaning up at the anchor, you know, picking up cans, yeah, picking up yeah. things like that. At the reservoir, our drinking water for the whole city. I go out there, I pick up cans, I pick up old bottles, picking up pallet nails, people burning pallets right there next to our drinking water. But we're not the only ones drinking out of that. No. You know, that's... Our livelihood right there. Yeah, that's the city. Man. And there's animals drinking over there. There's ducklings swimming right next to this old tire. Like, you pick it up. Yeah, seriously. You know, I, yeah, it's a personal pet peeve of mine, that's for sure. We'll and mine too. Now. <laughs> <laughs> mine too. Man. You got the boy moist. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> like that, man. Well, that's the thing is, like, people just, it's almost like they don't have respect. Or they just, they don't appreciate it. And I wish they we could open their eyes and, you know, they would appreciate what they got. Yeah, especially, I think people living here, they don't appreciate what they have at all. No. And they just, they look at the, they look at the mountain range every day. They're, oh, look, a day, same day, every day. You know, I always try to look at, when I wake up and I'm like having a shit morning, it's a Monday morning or something like that. I always try to look at the mountains and be like, oh man, there's less snow on the mountains today than there was yesterday. Or there might be more. Or, you know, just some. Not more. For a couple months at least. I hope not. But, you know, this is shit. Like, you just look at stuff and just be like, man, nature's fucking crazy. And if we don't take care of it, and it's just, I mean, then what the fuck? What the fuck's the point? What really irks me the most is when we have a beach cleanup day and you go and pick up the beach and you go pick up trash. And then you have people that don't live here come here. 
and throw trash out and they don't pick up their campsite and they, you know, leave tinfoil and cans around and he just grinds my gears so bad that not a week ago we were out there picking up trash and now there's more trash out there and they just have no respect. No, you know, some people just don't have any respect for you, the nature, nothing. And it just drives me insane. And it doesn't go for everybody, right? Like, that's the thing is a lot of people are respectful and they respect this area. But, you know. All it takes is a couple of shitty apples. Yeah. Ruin the bunch. That's no you know? joke. Yep. That's the thing is, I don't know, man. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. Gratitude, that's what I think it all for sure. boils back to. Just I think we, we live in a super clean community. Yeah. Super uh, clean. I think people kind of have good head on their shoulders. And, I mean, I don't know. Going out for a bonfire is is fun and all, but you know you gotta just pick up your beer cans yeah, at the end of the it's night. Not That's a, all it takes. It's not know? a big deal, man. It's not a big deal because if you don't, yeah, like we said, oh, you gotta pay for it. After, yeah, exactly. Thousand dollar fine, man. Yeah, don't burn oh your uh, business pamphlets, or if you do, make sure they burn all the way, or else they will call you. Uh, <laughs> 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 Oops, no, just <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, or fishing line, dude. Fishing line at the anchor, bunch Everywhere. of mono. Yeah. And people are just out there like unstringing reels and stuff and just leaving it right there. It's like, come on, we have receptacles out there. <laughs> yeah, there's literally... a receptacle to put that in. Just That's there. an eight letter word. Use it. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. It's about the only less logs word I know. <laughs> I couldn't spell it. <laughs> but by God I could say it. But Damn right. It's just the simple things. That's uh, all I asked for. You know, it's it's also it's good it's good for you. You know, if you take care of, you know, nature, it's it's probably gonna take oh, care dude. of you. Yeah, it, like it's karma. Like I'm fucking, I'm the most agnostic. I don't know, don't believe in bullshit anything myself. <laughs> but like karma's, you're gonna get bit in the ass one way or the other. Just be a good person. At the end of the day, do your do your job, do the bare minimum, and it'll 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 freaking it'll come back to you. You know, definitely, I agree with that. Cool. Well, I wanted to ask, what is, so coming from, like we were saying earlier, virgin soil, like what's a question you have getting into, uh, uh, like getting into the outdoor realm? What's something that you, what are some questions you have or like some stuff that you're uncertain about? Well, uh, I guess a good question would have been the the drone thing earlier. <laughs> yeah, I'll, oh, here we go. I'll give you just a rough layout of, of the broad legalities of things. Okay, uh, for hunting in Alaska, uh, you can't have illuminated reticles. So if you have a scope that has a red dot, anything like that, you can't hunt with it. You can't use radios or like drones. You can't okay. use. So I'll go touch the drones. You can't use drones in the act of hunting. Finding animals, anything like that. Yeah. Uh, radios you can't use in any form of hunting. You can use it to find a downed animal, um, or in like life's life threatening situations, communicating with individuals, pickups, drop offs, um, flagging people, and you just can't use it for anything hunting re- related for all that type of stuff. Um, shoot. But yeah. Well, uh, no, that's no, that's good because I honestly. I thought I was the smartest kid on the block thinking about that drone idea. But <laughs> right. I'm glad you guys told me about that because that's uh, you know it's always good to know. I mean, like you said, and I have no idea what the fuck any like the regulations are about or anything. But you got to learn before you do it, and 
It's better that you guys tell me right here than some fucking game <laughs> tell world a, out a there. Trooper we'll tells about you. rules and regulations. Go yeah. salmon fishing. <laughs> oh yeah, anywhere. Oh yeah, they will. anywhere in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, holy shit, dude. Yeah, because Seriously. I remember was it a year ago, two years ago? I watched the trooper come down. I was a day. You weren't fishing. This must be my brother. My brother was with me, and we rolled down to the Anchor River uh-huh. as we always do, and it turned out it was a emergency closure day. If it weren't for the old man coming out of the river saying, hey, check the regs, there's emergency orders, watch out. Because they were rolling out because they had just got stopped on the way in and by a trooper. At the beach, at the mouth of the river, there was a trooper taking people's fishing poles, riding tickets left and right because it was emergency orders. Yeah, It was an emergency order that... Is posted on the internet, but nowhere else. Not on Facebook or anything. Nobody so, knows. Yeah, yeah, you have to really keep yourself up to date, and that's kind of hard. Oh, yeah. I watched a guy. I was down there on the anchor at the, I think, the Coho Hole, and um, was unloading all my stuff. And as I was doing it, there was a trooper down there doing his job, checking uh, a tourist from Florida. They'd driven up, and uh, I think they didn't have a king stamp, or it was, you know, something kind of a small infraction, but it was a it was a blatant infraction. Like it was, they didn't have their shit, but it truly seemed. I got to watch the whole altercation, but it seemed like you know the guy was coming from like a true ignorant standpoint. He didn't know he's from Florida. He was just up visiting, but breaking the laws, and you know, trooper took his license, took his fishing gear, and. Because that's, you know, that's that's the rules up here. Like, if you're in a lot of states are the same. Texas, if you were screwing up, they had the right to take anything that you had oh, yeah. in the means of harvesting that animal. So, people, truck, they'd take boats. truck, trailer, boat, <laughs> fishing gear. Yeah, that was, this is a $150,000 <laughs> fuck up right there. <laughs> and, I mean, same deal up here. Like, they'll... You know, dude had bought some brand new fishing gear once he got up here to do some fishing, wasn't inside the regs, and he lost all of it, and he was cited. Like, it just, you know, stuff like that happens, and being on top of the regs is definitely number one before you get out into the woods, but, after, you know, it's it's not that hard, but it's definitely something you got to stay up on, and don't just assume, especially fishing-wise up here, freshwater fishing, don't just assume because last year was open means this year's open. Like, last year, we had what? How many days was the anchor open? Two days? Two days. Yeah, two days. Yeah, exactly. But this year, it might be open two months. You don't know. Like This year, it's closed permanently for keeping kings. Yep, exactly. Like, you never know. Like, it's just... It's fucked up. Yeah. Can you even fish? You can fish for kings, but you can't keep them. You can't oh, take them out okay. of the water. You can't retain it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it's still single hook, artificial. So you're... So you're... Uh, Old pink yarn, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on a single hook, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's just the rules and regulations here in Alaska when it comes to fishing, in particular, could be tricky, and you have to keep up to date. You know for sure. Yeah, yeah so, I can hear that. I think that's like really the only question I have, kind of just for hunting, maybe except like just the kind of the rules behind it. That's probably a good. Good question. Because yeah, I, I just, I mean, I kind of got the basic understanding, like the gear, you know, I kind of need to do my own research. But, you know, like, honestly, even if you do all the research in the world about the rules, they change so much that oh, yeah. uh, somebody that, like you guys, you know, so it's good to get in contact oh, yeah. and touch base. No, yeah, and most of that comes down to just year by year. And I'm mm-hmm. a firm believer of, like, 
Because it's very easy to be like, okay, I'm going to do a deer hunt, a moose hunt, a caribou hunt, and try and squeak in a sheep or goat hunt. It's like, all right, well, uh, scrap four of those and make one of them your, what you're going to go after. Research where you're going to be hunting. Research the regs. Figure out your dates. Figure out what you need. Like, So much of it comes down to preparation. And I think preparing for a hunt properly with an adequate amount of time it's just natural that you're going to come across all the nitty-gritty details that you need to know you're like all right i've got like for example sean your girlfriend samantha Mm -hmm. drew the homer moose tag and that you know that's a draw tag so she had a full eight months to prepare for it and it's something it's like all right these are the dates it's from october 20th to november 20th this is the area from this marker to this marker. I'm allowed to use this weapon. Like, it's just the biggest key. Like, if you're going to go do the Hall Road caribou hunt, yeah. like we are discussing earlier, what I recommend for everybody is, like, identify your goal, which would be harvest a caribou on the Dalton Highway. You're like, all right, what do I need to do? How do, or what do I have to do to accomplish that? You're like, all right, here's the rules. It's like, all right, it's a five-mile archery corridor. I can only use a bow on either side of the road for five miles, this whole stretch. These are the season dates from X to X. Uh, It's like, all right, where are my legal shooting light hours? It's like, all right, up here, we don't have those, luckily, um, due to light issues if you're in the lower 48 disregard this but uh you know <laughs> up here the sun doesn't set so you don't have to worry about that exactly but then you just like i feel like in the natural progression of preparing for a hunt you'll knock out all the regulation stuff right out of the get-go because that's just kind of the the things you have to do first to uh, make yourself legal to go do it because you can't go do it unless you're doing it legally right. yeah. you know and then from there, it's exactly gear stuff, which is all just personal research, do some YouTube and talk to us, you know, stuff like that. And yep. then it's just learning how to hunt, exactly. which you can do one of two ways, um, being in the field or being in the field. Um, <laughs> you can <laughs> YouTube point. the fuck out of it. Trust me. I know. And it won't teach you goddamn Fuck off. You'll go out there, you're like, I'm a ninja. And then you blow out the first 50 animals you see, and you're like, I'm really not that great at this. Like, damn. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of took, I was in Hawaii with uh, with my girlfriend, Sam, and uh, beautiful Sam Bullen, call out. Uh, yeah, shout out to Sam. She's at home. <laughs> but, you know, uh, we were out there, and, you know, she was telling me, she's like, do you, do you know how to cut up an axis deer do you know how to do all i was like yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> like, yeah YouTube video. yeah I, get, I, I, got, I got the hang of it and uh you know i honestly i watched videos and stuff and you really don't it's you don't know how to do it until you fucking do it and huh. and i was really fortunate i had a friend out there and uh we were lucky enough to get one and he showed me the ropes and i kind of just you know, once you do it, it's like, oh, that's pretty simple. You know, I kind of understand. It, you kind of piece it together as it goes. But, you know, when you're out there, you're like, oh, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to kill this deer. Like, oh, my God, it's coming. It's right here. Like, and then and then you, you shoot it, and you're like, oh, what am I? Shit. You're like, what do I do now? Like, <laughs> I didn't research this yeah, hard. Yeah, like, shit. And then, and then packing everything up and, you know, what what pieces to cut 
uh, off and just leave there, you know, because the access to the super lean and like super, some parts are super, super tough. But then like these other parts, like most of the deer is super just tender and oh, it's amazing. But then mm. there was these other parts where the guy, my friend who was like, don't even touch that. He's like, it's a waste of your time unless you want to boil the fucking bones down and get a broth, <laughs> broth or something. And I was like, oh, I would have wasted two hours of my life trying to cut the meat off the bone or something, you know. Yeah. And it's just, just experience. Yeah. Well, and here in Alaska, there's some places you have to take all the meat. Yeah. You have to take every bit, even the rib meat that is like see through. Oh, really? You still got to take it. Yep. You know, the cool thing in, in the, I think the only thing that they don't give a shit down there is because they're, they call them rats on stilts. <laughs> rats on stilts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's certain rules, like, yeah. you have to pack meat out first. You can't take. Trophies like, first. Yeah, the antlers have to be the last thing that leaves. Yeah, stuff I, heard, like that. I heard that. Don't you have to do that for elk too in, in Oregon? I thought there was uh, a- there's a lot of states that they've a lot of states have moved towards the trophy whatever the trophy aspect of the animal has to be the last thing packed off the carcass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well and certain tags require certain things like the the cow tag you have to return the, the lower jaw. Yeah, lower like nine inches of the jaw or something like that. There's yeah, there's certain regulations that you wouldn't ever think about. Yeah, a lot of that has to do with just conservation mm-hmm. and yeah, biological studies and but it's stuff that you have to like speaking of that tonight I need to report I registered for the local brown bear registration hunt, had a tag for it. The season closed on June 1st and I have 14 days to report my hunt. Which, uh, just basically you go online, tell them where you hunted, if you hunted, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you have to do it. And if you don't, you get a good old slap on the wrist of like, hey, stupid. Like, What's what the heck? Like, You're not doing yeah, it next do, year. Do it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, congratulations, you fucked up. Now give us your hunting license. Like, you know, there's just things that things that go with it. And, yep. They do that with dip netting, too, if you don't do, if you don't, or even... Out here, they just started the uh, the Tanner Crab. The mm. Tanner Crab, oh, if you're yeah, able to keep it. Business. And even if you sign up, you get a license. You don't even go out there. You have to report you caught zero crab. Because like, if you don't, then they're like, well, what the fuck do you do with your license? Yeah. And, and they, ha- they have to know because they have to keep tabs on everything. They have yep. to run their numbers. And yeah. if, if there's a process behind it. And it's a good process. It might feel inconvenient, but it's like... Get over it. Like, that's just how it is, you know? Like, And not everyone's good about filling out, like, the fishing reports on the back of your king stamp and things like that. Like, how many fish did you catch? Dip netting, same thing. Yeah, exactly. How many fish did you catch? I know tons of people that don't do it. Yep. Tons of people yeah, that or don't do it. write it in pencil and erase it later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's one of those things that it's, it helps to know. And it'll only be better for you in the long run if you do do it. Yep. Especially sure. our generation, because... You know, if you're if you're fifty doing it, whatever. What like else to, you got? Exactly. You got you got ten good years of the outdoors left. Eh. If shit dries up, <laughs> shit dries up. For us, like if we're not if we're not stickler if we're not shepherds of the land if we're not sticklers about the rules and regulations, like nobody wants to be a freaking rule book Sally. You know, nobody wants to be that Tattle guy. Exactly. Like but that. like at the end of the day. I love hunting. I love fishing. I love the outdoors. I want to be able to do it till I croak. And if you're going to get in my way doing that, like go fuck yourself. Like I'm like I'm not playing that game. Honestly, like, you'd ruin it for other people. Not well, even exactly. if we're even being selfish saying that. Like it's just not even us. Like 
people who come up here and do that shit, or even if they're here, like they just, you just have to. You think have to about enforce it. it. Like it's unfor. It's like, you know, it's like a speed limit sign. Like I don't abide by any <laughs> of the speed limits, but like. There's, it's there for a reason, and if you don't enforce it, it doesn't do anything. In the outdoors, it's truly one of those things. Like if you don't get on people for it, nobody's going to do it, and then it dries up. Like look at any other nation's fisheries, especially if you go towards, you know, I don't want to say names, China, um, <laughs> but <laughs> China. yeah, they just scoop up all the fish, and then there's they're no going fish <laughs> to. Take our fish. Yeah, and it's same way here. If we, you know, if Poach we let anybody fish. and everybody <laughs> poach black bears or poach moose and shit, when our kids, our grandkids, stuff like that, they won't have that resource. I want them to have that resource, you know? You just kind of, you know, once you take on that, like, hunting, backpacking, outdoor lifestyle, you just have to take on the responsibility of understanding there's more rules to that. You've got to be the freaking hall monitor of the outdoors. If you see some fucking jerk off doing some bullshit out there you got to call him out on it like, you know? like dude don't ru- just you know it's it's just it happens quicker than you think it, it all of a sudden it's like that then you can't like what's the thing uh alaska is the only place in north america with uh with the doll or with the sheep hunt you know like oh, you yeah. get doll sheep over so, the counter was what you said yeah no doll sheep so most places in or every place in the United States that you can hunt or hunt sheep in general um, is pretty much a once in a lifetime type of hunting opportunity. In Alaska, as residents, we can hunt them every year over the counter for zero dollars and zero cents. Unreal opportunity, but there's massive regulations around it: season dates, horn requirements, this and that, and you know they have to be a full quarter ram. If you shoot a three-quarter curl ram like guess what like you don't get to hunt sheep for the next five years and you might lose your hunting license for a year like does that suck yeah but that's the only reason why we're the one state in the northern hemisphere of the world that can hunt the sheep that we have every year without a doubt just going to our local hardware store and asking for a tag like you know the way people hunt whitetails down south we're able to do that with doll sheep and the only reason we can do that is due to population and management and if we lose either of those one of them we don't have control over the population shit can happen sheep are feeble and they live in a harsh environment shit happens we lose them more regulation or as hunters we fuck up and we just let people do whatever the hell they want like we lose that resource. Like, it's just... We've you know. seen it happen before. Oh, yeah. There's lots of cases where that's happened before. And so, we truly have to conserve and take care. Yeah, why do you think we're the only we're the only state that does that? I'm sure it's probably happened th- hundreds of thousands of times down in Lower 48, where people just, they're just, oh, look, there's a, there's a sheep. Oh, that looks like it, it might be good to eat or something, you know? Like, or or not even that. Mule deer, all kinds of stuff. Like, Poaching's a serious deal. And, yeah. like, you know, stuff happens. It happens. Whatever. But, like, the responsibility factor of it, understanding it and being able to see it and be that, be the tattletale. Like, it sucks. It does. Nobody wants to be a snitch. No one likes OSHA. Yeah, exactly. But, but there's a reason for everything. Yep. I, exactly. I can understand if somebody gets a little ticked off if – they're looking at a moose from like a hundred yards away and they're like, Oh man, is that a 
52 or a 53. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, one half inch short. Or, yeah, or half inch like short. That. That's hard to you, judge. Yeah. And there's really no judging that. No. <laughs> you are kind of, it's a guessing game. Yeah, but if you're that close. Let them walk. That's a you decision. Yep. Yeah. It's all about you. Either, either wear the consequences or trust in yourself. And it's just... You know, boils down to personal responsibility at the end of the day. And kind of, it's, we've been, we've been going, going a while. We'll definitely have to continue this conversation. Yeah, we're, we're closing in on two hours already. Oh, damn. Right. But, uh, we'll definitely have you on again, uh, Jackie Pooh. Yeah, you're pretty Uh, (laughs) But, uh, I wanted wanted to kind of end it on this a little bit, at least wrap this portion of the conversation up. A lot of that. You know, that personal responsibility, understanding that boils down to if there's one thing I could give you advice with, like backcountry hunting and just backcountry in in general. Uh, And this is a conversation me and Sean have had, like you're a close friend of ours. I consider, you know, both of y'all two of my best friends. But there's very few people like I personally trust being with in the outdoors. And that's because, like, at the end of the day, like, you're way the fuck in the middle of BFE, and if, you know, shit hits a fan, shit hits a fan, and you got to trust the person to your left or your right. And the biggest piece of advice I could give you for, like, wanting to excel in the outdoors is becoming adequate and proficient in your own abilities and being able to manage yourself and make yourself a utility to other people because the outdoors is so much about you can solo hunt you can do stuff by yourself but especially up here in alaska like having a good hunting partner or having a good team of people around you to hunt with but being that person that has a skill set or nobody has to go it's like all right we're going on we're we're going to moose camp you know who's all coming we got a checklist of five people and there's that one person that's like Oh, like, uh, like, uh, don't be a liability. And I'm not saying this directly at you by any means, but like, if you're, if you're listening, like if you want to be an asset to your hunting community, your hunting team, like don't be the liability, be proficient in your own, like in your own means, be able to pick up slack where there's at, be able to lean into the partner around you and, you know, be a functioning team. We all come from a sports background. Like, Nobody likes a dude who skips reps or only shows up on game day, stuff like that. Because when it comes down to it, this is a, you know, it can, you know, it's all fun and games. It's weekend warrior stuff. But like at the end of the day, it's life or death in situations. And if you can't trust the person to your left, the person to your right, like you have no sense being out there. Cause it's be every, hard. Exactly. And yeah. that's, I think my biggest, my biggest piece of advice is just like, if you want it, Unfortunately, it's one of those, it takes up a chunk of your life and you got to be serious about it. And it doesn't mean it has to like engulf your entire life. But like, if you want people to step out of their shell, you got to be able to like back that with something like, you know, walk that walk, talk that talk. You know what I mean? Yep. And, uh, I think that's the best, you know, best piece of advice for anybody listening. If you made it this far into the podcast and for you personally, like just be that be the cornerstone, like make it a, like make it a piece of your identity to be the person that you're like, Oh, they're going to be a camp. Fuck yeah. Like I can, I can count on them to do anything and everything. No questions asked. Like don't even got to think about it. Like I know if I freaking gash my arm open, 
and I'm freaking out, they're going to take care of me. Or like, you know, oh, I just shot a, you know, I shot a stud moose, but it's three in the morning. We got to gut them, pack them out for the next four hours. It's going to be, a, you know, you know, pack a lunch. It's going to be shitty. But that person is going to be right there like, oh, oh, like, awesome. How many miles is it? Oh, only high, three. Exa- high fives. <laughs> exactly. No, that's the biggest key because like it's like you mentioned earlier, everything's a mental battle. Commercial fishing is a mental battle. Backcountry's a mental battle. Everything's a mental battle. If you can conquer that and then bring something to the table, a little slice of pie that maybe somebody else doesn't have, or even if they have it, it you know, you can never have too many resources. I hear that. And I'll, I'll end my uh, rant on that. You should put that in that bumper sticker. Bumper sticker. Be the guy. Don't be a fuck up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't be fucked up. Don't yeah. be fucked up. Get don't, fucked up. Don't be fucked up. Don't be that guy. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much, Jack, uh, for joining us. We will, without a doubt, have you on uh, for future episodes. You are a member of the average Alaskan family. Well, I, I, <laughs> I had to like say it. I had to say it reluctantly. <laughs> he hasn't earned his merit badge yet, but we know him. We trust him. We love him. He's a brother. You gotta uh, piss it an analogy and drink it. <laughs> exactly. Oh we'll, we'll get some. Uh, we'll get some frat initiations going for old Jackie here. Eat a fish eyeball uh, or something. Like piss an analogy and mix it with some pre workout. Pound it. Oh my god. But this won't be the last time you hear from Mr. Jack Heimbold. He's an amazing individual. He's experienced a ton. He's just getting into the backcountry. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, getting to watch and uh, kind of record his journey along with all of this. He will, like I said, he'll be on many more future episodes. He's always welcome back here in the studio. Um, Jack, let people know where they can uh, find you on any social media or anything like that. Um, and if you have any uh, reach outs, messages that you want to get out to any people or shout outs, let them know right now. Um, no I, pressure. Don't fuck it up. I think the only <laughs> the only thing I got for social media wise, it's only really important is uh, I guess my Instagram. Um, it's just at Jack Heimbold. I think that's it. Uh, yeah, Jack treats social media like I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I really. We're well, Alaskans. We we do what we can. I mean, <laughs> once I, in a while. Yeah, I am on my phone sometimes, but you know, it's not really. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, I guess a shout out to these two awesome dudes for letting me come here and be a part of this awesome family and uh you know and their family too and and all the listeners out there doing the doing the good fight you know doing your thing and you know if you ever have any ideas coming up here you just talk to mr michael sobota over here and uh, sobota alaskan adventures man like that's it they'll hook you up (laughs) let's just say that and then one more shout out um uh, scenic bear viewing. Uh, it's my girlfriend's uh, company and her dad's. You should check it out. I don't know. Just check it out. It's amazing. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Heck yeah. No, good people over there. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Let us know how much you appreciate us. Let us know comments, questions, all that stuff. Uh, shoot us an email over at Average Alaskan Podcast at Yahoo. Hit any of us up over on Instagram at the podcast Instagram, Average underscore Alaskan underscore podcast. Myself at Michael underscore Swoboda. Sean at Sean underscore Louvre, L-U-V. And Mr. Jack Heimbold on Instagram. Let us know any of your questions, comments, concerns. If you want to be on a future episode as a guest or just a blurb, let us know over at the email or on the Instagram. I try and do my best uh, responding at both. 
Like always, we appreciate all your support. We're going to continue to give you guys amazing content. The summer's rolling. Stuff's getting busy. I have sheep camp in less than two months. Actually, I believe we will hopefully be bagging our uh, first sheep two months from today. Man, we've got a lot of fishing between now and then. Oh, oh I know. Yeah, we oh. But we're going to fucking get after it. But... We thank you guys again for tuning in for episode 25. We're just marching along. It's crazy. It's been 25 weeks since we started this, and that's uh, just a blip on the radar because we're going to keep on keeping on and continuing to have amazing guests like Mr. Jack Heimbold and others. We've got some awesome more content coming up here in the near future. But until then, uh, keep on keeping on. Go catch some fish, kill some animals, get some miles on the boots, do your thing. You know, just keep it average. Stay frosty.